Hey, what's up, Surf Splendor fans? This is your host, David Scales. Welcome back to an all-new show. Huge show today. Perhaps the hugest show that we've ever produced. Huge in terms of just file size and the length of this episode. It's pushing two hours. Um, Huge in that there'll be three voices that you'll hear from. Huge in the impact that it will make in your life. Things are about to change. Uh, Probably not, but... We're excited. Uh, Big show just because the Quicksilver Pro was such an interesting event. Scott and I discuss it um, for the first hour of the show, among other things. But then the second hour of the show, we actually invite PT in. Uh, You might know him best as PT, but Peter Townen, the 1976 world champion of surfing, the man himself. He was just in Australia for this event and other things, but he was at this event, the Snapper event, and he chimes in. We wanted to get invite him on the show to um, get his opinion on these things with not only the insight of having been there, but the insight of having been a world champion and having uh, trained a lot of these young up-and-coming athletes, which he discussed a little bit with the ISA. Um, interesting dude, really energetic, certainly opinionated. Um, also, if you hear a laugh coming on from Peter, turn down the volume just a notch. That's your fair warning right now. Very boisterous voice, but um, thrilled to have Peter on the show. So look forward to that. The other detail, which I discuss in the show, but I want to make sure to uh, drill it down, is I just set up a PayPal account if you'd like to participate in our fantasy surfer um, game that we're playing and cash prize pool that we're putting together. We're going into Bells. The Bells Beach event starts April 1st. You're welcome to play Fantasy Surfer with us. You can go to fantasysurfer.com, create a team, join the Surf Splendor Club, and there's no charge to join or to play, but if you want to actually gamble on this thing, we're doing $10 per event, so you can contribute $10 to Surf Splendor on PayPal, all that you have to do is search hello at surfsplendorpodcast.com, which is my email address. PayPal allows you to send money um, to anybody just with their email address. So use that email address to send $10 into that account. I will keep track of all the money that comes in. And then at the end, winner takes all. Whoever wins the Bells event, we will get the distribution of all of everyone's $10 contribution. There's 150 team members. So in theory, it could be 1500 bucks if everybody ponied up, or it could just be a hundred bucks if only 10 people pony up. But Scott and I are definitely in and I'm going to do $10 per event. So $10 for the men's event and $10 for the women's event. And, um, one other thing that's super important is to include your fantasy surfer name in your payment. So there's an option to leave a comment with the payment. Just make sure that you give me your uh, fantasy surfer name because I know a lot of people aren't using legitimate names. They're uh, handles essentially, made up names. And I wanna be able to pay the correct person when this whole thing's over and done with. You get it. I don't need to over explain this situation. It's pretty simple, straightforward. What would you do if you were the treasurer? That's what I'm trying to do. So help me out. All right. 
Oh, and one other thing. I created actually a page on surfsplendorpodcast.com that explains everything that I just detailed with clickable links to those sites, uh, fantasysurfer.com and paypal.com, which I'm sure you know how to navigate to without my help, but it's there on Surf Splendor just to um, be sure and cover all my bases. All right. Thank you as always for tuning in. Um, thanks for all the great feedback with Justin Jay's episode last week. Really good stuff. Beach Grit, I know, posted the episode there. That brought a lot of new traffic. So welcome if you're a new listener. And you can always follow us on social media at Surf Splendor on Instagram, Facebook, blah, blah, blah. All right. Thanks for supporting the show. Thanks for the iTunes ratings. And thanks for sharing it with friends. Without further ado, here we go. I'll be back at the end of Sunday. So. Yeah, guy, down the line, Surf Talk Radio, we're back, David Lee Scales, Scott Bass. Do you mind if I call you David Lee Scales? Do you prefer David Scales? No, I, I'll take anything I can get, man. <laughs> really? <laughs> that leaves it whatever, wide open, bro. Whatever, uh, whatever you feel like calling me. <laughs> <laughs> David Scales, ladies and gentlemen. It's March 17th, it's St. Patrick's Day, oh That's my. That's right. Yeah, yes. traffic was a little bit lighter on my way in today. Are you, be careful of drunk drivers. Are you going to get on, drunk today, David Scales? I'm not. No. I for, forewent my opportunity by coming here instead. <laughs> Good man. Is, for, is, is forewent a word, by I the way? I don't think so. I, I don't you think sound it, drunk. I don't think it is either, and I'm sure that we will be getting an email from uh, our English teacher oh, in yeah. London who recently sent us an email about our grammar. Yeah, our grammar sucks. There's no doubt about it. It's probably not going to get better, so you're just going to have to deal with it. That's the bottom line. It, I mean, I make up words that don't exist. You just did. It, But it translated exactly what I was intending to say, right? Was that Scott's, Scott's the one with the bad grammar? No, but maybe next year we'll see an addition to the dictionary, and that addition will be forewent. <laughs> Every year they add new words, right? Like bootylicious got added last year. Forwent and bootylicious seem to be quite on the extreme ends of the scale there. Yeah, we're not doing ourselves any favors by talking crap about other people through the entire show anyways, you yeah. know? So Yeah, well, I don't think that's going to stop. No, <laughs> I hope not. Unfortunately, I, I hope not. Fortunately or unfortunately. Not when people are behaving the way that they're behaving as we saw in this Quicksilver Pro event. Yeah, why don't we get right into that? We um, can't not get into it, dude. It's so big. Yeah, there's a lot to get into. Right. Um, it's crazy. The Quicksilver Pro Snap Rocks. Why don't I give you some of my thoughts? And then you, I know you got. Dude. Break I don't it know down. if I have a full breakdown, but um, you know, I, I guess first and foremost, I just want to say congratulations to Philippe Toledo, who surfed brilliantly. Um, he he looked like a champion. He surfed like a champion. He was throwing away nines in the final. Combo Julian. Yeah, he surfed good. Um, Julian surfed real well throughout the event. And, of course, it was in a surprising event. The lack of waves sort of uh, overshadowed the whole event. You know, mm -hmm. I think when you think about this event, you go, oh, too bad, crappy waves. Oh, yeah, Philippe won. You know? Um, well, they had 11 lay days. That's worth noting. And they had to extend the waiting period by two days just in order to get contestable surf. Well, the, the interesting thing about that, about extending the, the waiting period is, it could be argued, and it was argued, that we should have this event at Duranbaugh. Um, there's fun, punchy beach break just right next door on the other side of the jetty there. Um, and, you know, I I heard, I think I told you, I don't know if I told you, but I heard through well-placed sources um, in Australia that there was much talk about having the event, moving it down the street there to Duranbaugh and running the event. And the WSL 
according to my sources, and of course you can't get anything out of the WSL, mm -hmm. communications-wise, they're off the radar. But my well-placed sources tell me that the WSL did not want to move to Duramba because they knew that their two top guns as far as ratings, which are Kelly and McFanning, Kelly Slater and McFanning, were up against two of the really you know red hot aerialist guys that were gonna that you could perceive doing really well at Duramba in Dane Reynolds and Jack Freestone. Correct. So in round two, Mick was facing Dane Reynolds, Kelly Slater fa facing Jack Freestone, and the idea of losing those two guys, Slater and Fanning, to those two young upstarts—not necessarily young, at least in Dane's case—but aerialists and 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 potentially losing ratings, which is what they're grasping for right now was too much for them to to move the event. Now, some people will tell you, oh, it's much more than that. Actually, Durambal is in the state of New South Wales, and there's a big permitting issue between Queensland and New South Wales, which is, that's um, actually, although there's some truth to that, they wouldn't, they, the WSL would never even have thrown it out there that we may be moving to Durambal if they couldn't. And we've all known that they can. And certainly there are some permitting issues and they want to hold it in the state of Queensland. They probably get more funding that way or something. It's, yeah. And it's probably, it's just additional expense to move the contest site, period. And then it's factoring not the in, expense as much as it is the permitting issues and the politics. There's politics there that you and I okay. don't know, but that does exist. But my point is, is that, that's not a valid argument because they would move it to Durambaugh if they had to. Uh, they have done so in the past. It's been done. So the argument that they can't do that because of politics is a moot point. The real, what I'm hearing is that they didn't want to lose Kelly or Mick in round two and thereby lose ratings. Okay. So again, alleged and okay. all through Absolutely. a well placed surf journalist in Australia who's really close to the situation. Okay, so here's the deal, dude. Duranbaugh actually had really fun waves. There was free surf footage coming out throughout all those lay days of Duranbaugh. And in that footage, these younger guys were the highlights of the show. You know, Dane, Jack, and some of the other guys. And um, so all of that bill adds kind of to the fodder that you're talking about. I'm not a conspiracy theorist. The picture that you're painting now and that we paint sometimes on this show is that there's some evil puppeteer behind the WSL pulling these strings to make us all dance, you know? Oh, just wait. <laughs> We're going to get into the evil so, puppeteer. So that's the way that we always paint it. I'm questioning you just with yeah. all your inside industry knowledge. Yeah. Hey, is it, that the it way it is? could all be bullshit. I'll but, just call it right now. No, but Everything I'm in, saying could be total bullshit. Of course it can. You've already said that. But yeah. what I'm asking you as Scott Bass yeah. is, does it look, does it appear to be that way to you? That there is a puppeteer does. who's making these decisions. Why wouldn't you hold it a Durambo if you had in the past? Um, and you've got killer punchy beach breaking guys well, busting aerials. No, because we don't want the world tour to run in punchy beach breaks, period. Well, it runs at Brazil. That's okay. And, so we have one punchy beach break on the list. We'd rather have a long right point break. If all things being, right. if all things were the, A plus conditions, the long right we point want, break is crappy. But the Durambaugh isn't A plus either. The Durambaugh, no, but, but it's it, slightly better than the point break. Yeah. But if we can extend the waiting period and get good swell at snapper, I'd rather have good swell at snapper than good swell at debuff. I that, agree with that. that. Would Look, be the argument. Everybody agrees with that. Well, so that but, was my answer to your question. But why question. not run a couple of rounds? I'd rather. 
Well, I'd rather run the whole event at Good Snapper if that's a possibility. Uh, well, first of we all, it wasn't Good Snapper. It was weak, soft, windswell. In, Even in the in, final, that's not real Snapper. In hindsight... Snapper rocks, guys are getting barreled behind the rock. In hindsight, we know that now. But when you're planning the event and you see swell coming, and that swell that was forecasted got pushed back a couple days, it was hoping to be there within the waiting period. You Many know? people knew that the swell wasn't going to arrive. I sent you something a week before going, dude, just look at the models. It's not going to show up. But like I, I'm just saying, in hindsight, that's all crystal clear. But I'm giving you the argument well, for what the WSL could have been. Let me add to my conspiracy, if you want to call it that. I don't. I think I'm that's not, too not, strong a word. No, I'm not. I'm just saying. Let me add to it yeah. that that the some of the players involved in round two were also saying, "Hey, we don't want to hold it at D-Bot. Meaning Kelly and Mick. Maybe. I don't, do I don't have proof of that. I'm just saying people in round two. Uh, Dane and Jack Freestone. Other people in round two, okay. just the competitors. Some of the competitors in round two were going. Guys who would perform better at the point break. Yes. Yeah. We're going, you know what? It'd probably be better. And of course, yeah. I'm hearing the WSL guys are going, yeah, no shit. I agree. We don't want to, right. you know. Yeah. Now, again, this is all alleged and it's parking lot fodder. It's what this radio show is, you know, take well, it for what it's worth. But I think there's some meat on the bone. I think there's meat on the bone as well. Here's my devil advocate from a different angle. Sure. Is that. You read those stats, the web viewing stats in our last show about which heats get the most views. Yes. And it's Kelly Slater's heats and it was Chopu's final last year. Yes. You know, the women get the lowest views. I would argue that it's pretty short sighted for the WSL to keep hitching their wagon to Kelly forevermore. Like, hey, we just going to we're going to push him through heats. We're going to put him in the best conditions that suit him because he gets the most views. I think they're underestimating the value of Jack Freestone's viewability and Dane Reynolds' viewability, especially considering Jack Freestone and Alana Blanchard being like the it couple. You know what I mean? Like I, they could play up that angle. And if, especially if Jack was able to dethrone Kelly and then they get behind Jack and promote and push him properly, they right. could really right, diversify. But here, here's the problem with that. You're absolutely right. And by the way, there's people, I'm sure that there's players in the WSL that see exactly what you and I see. They're, they see that we need to change of the guard. But right now, they need a major sponsor. So let's just say you're going to like Colgate or Palmolive or, or Ford Foot Motor Company. And when you go in there to pitch the WSL and you're like, hey, we got this killer new league. We're killing it. The first thing they're going to say is, is Kelly Slater involved? Because that's the only guy they know. They're probably saying, is Laird Hamilton on the team? You know, like they don't know shit. Yeah. So they're going, is Kelly Slater? You know, and so from that angle, from selling their product, Kelly's got like a three-year contract with the WSL, I found out. Like he has to be there. I didn't know This that. might be the last or the, or the second to last year of it. Yeah. That's juicy. Yeah. So, they, and, what, and the reason what, is, wait, wait, is that you can't sell your new league without the number one surfer in the world. Wait, on tour break this not. down. Yeah. Do they pay him as part of the I don't contract? Know. I don't know. Dude, you got to find this stuff out. Dude, I'm Call just, somebody I, right I now. To, I only go to so many parking lots to get this information. I only suit up at so many places. <laughs> Man, that's good. Yeah. Crazy. Now, again. Um, okay, so I agree with you. That is probably what's happening. Their back is against the wall. They're running out of money. It's a last ditch effort. They got to hang on to Kelly because he's worked for them in the past. They can't make new marketing decisions at this point in the game. However, since we're going down this track, we need to go down this track. Tell and we me, need dude. to stop a little bit. And tell me, so, there, dude, there's so much to discuss. So, Boiling since we're going over. down the WSL track line here instead of the we'll, contest we'll itself, come back. we'll come back to the contest. Like some, a, a listener sent me some information that he found on the internet. I did some digging as well. I sent it to you. I tried to boil it down here. I'm going to boil it down as best as I can. 
Good luck. There's a guy named John Marshall. Th- wait, intrigue, scandal. It involves Monica Lewinsky. <laughs> this story. <laughs> I didn't even, I didn't even Dude, include Monica Lewinsky. Well, we got to pitch it. I mean, we could create a whole show based on this scandal <laughs> alone. We really could. So just. Okay, so there's Sorry. this guy named Jonathan Marshall, right? He's a lawyer. He's the executive vice president and the general counsel of the ASP, the WSL. He's Paul Speaker's right-hand man. Paul Speaker's basically the president of the WSL. So these two, John Marshall, Paul Speaker, sort of joined at the hip, if you will. Um, some of this online research revealed that um, John Marshall was also the chief operating officer and the lawyer for RKO Pictures from 2001 to 2006. Where, as it turns out, beginning in 2003, Paul Speaker was the president of RKO. So Marshall and Speaker together at RKO Pictures, huge success. They they grew the company. I don't know if you could say they, but when they were there, the company grew tenfold. Big distribution. Hollywood Pictures, basically. Yeah, Hollywood Pictures. Great success together. Prior to that, however, the relationship between Paul Speaker and John Marshall goes back to 98 where Paul Speaker and Marshall were again teamed up with an independent entertainment company, <clears throat> excuse me, called The Shooting Gallery that produced such Academy Award winning films as Sling Blade, love it, Billy Bob Thornton, Mustard in 19, on My Biscuit, yeah, 1996, and another movie of a much success, You Can Count on Me in the year 2000. So The Shooting Gallery, you would say on the surface was a success. They had these great movies. However, during the time that Paul Speaker and and John Marshall were at the shooting gallery, that company went spectacularly in a downward spiral to bust. And um, they were sued. And I'm going to quote from some of the lawsuit terminology here, but in the lawsuit it says that the shooting gallery during this time period became more focused on fast profits and expansion of new media endeavors than good old-fashioned filmmaking. They had a radical philosophy change from being a tightly run, fiscally conservative company that watched every dime to turning around and trying to create a vast dot-com company. So this was during that time, right? 98, when they, you know, they were sort of lured by the sexiness of, hey, dot-com, let's go crazy. And they did go crazy. That is hauntingly familiar. Yes. And so... Sexiness of our sport. Yeah. So... In 2003, Jonathan Marshall was a defendant in a lawsuit. So the shooting calorie just went, it blew up. Right. They lost millions of, tens of millions of dollars. Well, they earned tens of millions of dollars and somebody lost tens of millions on the other end, right? Um, basically, they went bankrupt. They the shooting gallery went bankrupt. I'm sure Marshall and Speaker did okay. I don't know about that, okay. but but I'll, I'll, I'll just say this, that... John Marshall was a defendant along with a number of other shooting gallery defendants, but not Paul Speaker. He was not a defendant in this lawsuit. Got it. Um, the shooting gallery was sued by banks because the shooting gallery, including John Marshall as a defendant, misled the banks by preparing and submitting a series of false and misleading financial information documents regarding, among other things, the shooting gallery's solvency, their collateralized assets, even its viability all of which portrayed the shooting gallery as this highly solvent and solid financial company experiencing financial growth. They misrepresented and concealed information to the tune of $20 million credit extension that was given to them by the banks. The banks turned around and sued them, and that's what this lawsuit was about. And here's a quote, another quote from that lawsuit. Not only were 
the dependents and the defendants' financial representations false. But throughout the entire credit relationship, the shooting gallery was either insolvent or in the vicinity of insolvency. Now, Marshall and others were also sued in another case a bankrupt, in bankruptcy court in an attempt to recover the $30 million in losses by the trustees of the shooting gallery. In other words, the backers of the shooting galleries are trying to get back some of their monies, right? Among other things, the lawsuit claims that Marshall and the defendants simply headed to the exits, failing to put the company into bankruptcy, but also failing to preserve the shooting gallery's books, their records, their assets. And one took steps to prevent employees and did not take steps to prevent employees who were fired in mass via an email without final paychecks from damaging the shooting gallery property, upending file cabinets, destroying or removing the shooting gallery computers and records, all of which substantially impaired the value of the debtor's estates. Sure. All said and done, in 2001, an LA Times article stated that the shooting gallery lost over $70 million. The shooting, gallery's cr shooting gallery creditors lined up around the block to sue them. 45 have already sued the shooting gallery, ranging from banks and law firms to former employees, former film associates, landlords, leasing companies, even the mother of the shooting gallery executive, C.J. Fellini, who lent the company $500,000. Wow. So in light of you know what we said last time about the great series of articles that Stu Nettles put out there about who's really watching the ASP, how are they going to sell this thing? It's scary to think that, that these characters that who have in the past been sued for misleading, um, you know, misrepresenting numbers and data, in light of that, this seems to be pertinent information that this listener sent us. He dug, this guy dug up a lot of information. By the way, it didn't take long. All you no. do is a quick, quick search. Um, but it certainly can be um, stated that, you know, although Marshall and Speaker have great um, success at RKO in the mid-2000s, before that, um, at least Marshall was, was sued, along with many other defendants, for some sketchy, you know, sketchy stuff. Stuff that's scary that, that seems like we're in the middle of right now where the WSL is trying to put lipstick on a pig and trying to go, hey, we're great, you know, and, and, it, and look, the writing's on the wall. Like, you know, this thing costs $165 million a year to run and they need sponsorship. Yeah. And they pulled away from YouTube because YouTube shows you how many people are actually exactly. watching it. Yeah. It's really um, pretty ominous, actually. If, I mean, it's pretty shockingly similar, the initial layout of like, of, um, you know, like we've got this sexy sport that has a lot of marketability, basically, that nobody's really been able to fully actualize. And these... Um, suits who've made a lot of money in a different industry can come over and kind of woo us and show us how they can turn a lot of eyeballs on us and help profitability and all that sort of thing. But then a year into it, none of those goals are being met. And well, I would say that, look, the production quality is good. Like they've done a lot from the fan store of view. If you didn't know any of this backstory, you're like, okay, they're doing good. They're trying, you know, it's on, you know, yeah. okay, whatever, you know, like, yeah. you know what I mean? But, but because our little community, the surf world's so small, everybody knows everybody. Yeah. And, and it, you know, so a lot of this stuff's come to light, not, not the least of which is Stu Nettle's great series of articles. So because right. we have that information, we do now look at it with a different pair of glasses. I'll be the first one to raise my hand and say, I sat at dinner with 
uh, Paul Speaker and listened to his keynote address a couple of years ago at SEMA. And I was on board, man, and I still am on board. I hope he pulls it off, you know? And I, I was wooed. He's charming. He's smart. He can get up there and sell you the best. You know, he could sell. He was. I was in. I was all in. I'm like, this guy's going to do it, yeah. you know? And, um, and maybe he still will. But, you know, this John Marshall revelation of sort of these, these bad dealings, you know, it's a little bit scary is all. That's not the first revelation either. The problem is we've been hearing rumors for the last 12 months about uh, other things that are problematic along the way, you know, and then articles come out that they're operating at Jake Howard's article from Stab. Were they operating at a 35 million loss or 65 million well, loss? I heard 60, from, 65. Well, that's not from Jake's article. I heard 65 from somebody who, who was close to the situation. Right. But no, but a couple of months ago, Jake did put out that article that said that. As oh, okay. Well. Yeah. Yeah. So. Yeah. Yeah, we're hearing this. The thing is, rumors bubbling up from a lot of different sources, from a lot of different angles. It's not just, you know, and like you said, it is a pretty small industry. Um, so I don't know, man. It's pretty scary. What What is worst case scenario? Let me ask you that. I've heard that worst case scenario is, well, no one really knows, right? Because Ziff, this millionaire, billionaire guy, is just throwing money at it. So it's not but like... Ziff is not an idiot. No, I agree. But I'm, so, but what I'm saying is it's not like there's a bunch of investors, like public investors like you and me, like there were with these entertainment companies, where they're going, hey, I need some ROI right now. Who knows? I guess what I'm saying is we don't really know the worst case scenario because we don't know when Ziff's going to stop funding it. Okay, worst but case I've scenario. I've heard that Portugal could be the worst case scenario. And again, this is all parking lot fodder. Yeah. But I've heard that, you know what? I mean, if you give them, because you figure Portugal is like two thirds of the year, you know, and and so you got to think maybe Ziff's going. Look, and look, you got eight months to get your shit together, or mm-hmm. it's over. But again, and and you know what's interesting too is behind this, like they built this insane facility in Santa Monica. They did a New York Times or an LA Times article on how bitching they're. That's kind of scares me. That's like pig on the lipstick stuff, you know, like lipstick, lipstick on, on the pig, pig stuff. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, so worst case scenario, Ziff pulls out his money. You're saying around Portugal time. What happens to the WSL at that point? Does the contest still happen? If it happens, is it broadcast on the internet? Like, does I, I think big, at that time it's pennies on the dollar so, and okay. Vans and Red Bull and those companies come in and bid for it and just buy it and you know buy it for a penny on the dollar and you know Vans probably runs the Triple Crown through the season and then they're you know all the major players hooey up and go how do we do this you know and who knows but you know. It looks if like you go to downthelineradio.com, you'll see the ultimate surf league. My my <laughs> why do you laugh? Why that is Because the, your explanation last time was hilarious. But it's much clearer now. I caught a lot of shit for my explanation. I like that horrible. even after your explanation was awful, you went home and actually took the time to like break it I down. I did, I did. I was ashamed. And then anybody who said anything negative, you just send them a link <laughs> to your text description. Yeah, just go, I as even if sent, anybody's gonna read it. I, well, I, just, I even sent them the explanation. But anyway, uh, maybe it's the ultimate surf league, you know, but Okay. So here's the way it looks to me. Uh, Red Bull seems perfectly positioned. They're yes. a marketing company. Yes. This is, fits th- what they do already. All of their infrastructure is already in place. Yes, they have RedBullTV.com. Yes. On Saturdays, they have Red Bull TV on NBC here yes. in California. So I could see Red Bull swooping in, like you said, pennies on the dollar. All of a sudden, Portugal is a Red Bull event streaming live through their media player and completely branded with all Red Bull everything. Yep. They have more money than anybody. It's a Red Bull tour. It's a Red Bull tour. Yeah. Is that, probably, probably is that what gonna, we're looking at? It's right? probably going to happen. That's, that's the worst case scenario for the WSL. Best case scenario is 
we those guys step up their sales force moves in and somehow or another they get a major sponsor that that's willing to throw you know a four-year three-year deal together that that says look by the end of three years you know are we going to be on nbc some affiliate of nbc sports you know they've got all these little yeah. you know small stations small channels right. right who knows but yeah Interesting and scary, dude. I really hope that. What about does. Monica Lewinsky? You brought Monica Lewinsky up. What, what's what's going on there? So was it Marshall? Yeah, the, Jonathan, the attorney. Yeah, who had a relationship with Monica Lewinsky back when she was at the height of her fame. Basically. Yeah, like 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 two months after the yeah. Clinton affair broke out. The Clinton affair broke out, and she was uh, riding high or riding low. I'm not sure how, but she was in the public. Monica eye. Lewinsky had a sexual affair with President Clinton in the Oval Office. It's the first I've heard of this. What? Yeah. Just to just to clarify, in case there's anybody that doesn't know, and so she was, and then and then I guess a month after that or something, she did the big Barbara Walters interview on ABC, which got yeah. like the most viewed ever. Yeah. And then about I guess like a few months later, this Jonathan Marshall um, lawyer guy that works with Paul Speaker was. Yeah. I don't know if he was dating her, so but he courted her. Or she, they went out on a date. When she was at the top of her fame, she's walking red carpets, going to movie premieres, and there's somebody on her arm. This guy was the guy who was on her arm at the movie premieres because he was working in Hollywood at the time, too. Yeah. So, yeah. That's neither here nor there, but funny. It's it's Yeah, it's just like pop culture anecdote, you know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. By the way... Oh. So back to Quicksilver Snapper. Actually, yeah, to the okay. actual event. Okay, back to the actual event. Um so they they ultimately didn't run at Debaugh. They ran at Snapper. They extended the waiting period for two days. And then they basically were forced to run in those last two days. The first day of which really was mediocre. It was slow. It was waist high at best. It was better at Debaugh. Thank you very Probably much. Probably better at Why D-Baw. not move it? And then the final day, they actually got some waves, which you're saying wasn't classic Snapper, but it was still definitely contestable. It was contestable. But I mean, if your argument is... We want to see the best surfers in the best waves. It's not. I'm, I mean, you could it's argue not my that, argument. You said, "Why wouldn't well, the look, ASP do that?" And I would said, "Would you rather well, see guys why. boosting massive errors at Punchy Beach Break?" Or I personally would. I was no. just giving you what their argument could have been. Before we actually jump into those last two days, prior to the eleven day late eleven days uh, lay days, right after we recorded our show last time, the very next day they ran women's day two. Yeah. Freaking, it was awesome, dude. Yeah. It was like arguably the best day of women surfing I've ever seen. It was the day when... <laughs> I can't believe you watched it. <laughs> I'm going to no. let you jump on that grenade, dude. It was awesome. I'm sure I'm it was. I'm championing women surfing. I, look, I love women surfing. I no, just, you don't. I, you just laughed at them. No, I just laughed at you for watching it. It has nothing to do with... It's the Quicksilver Roxy Pro, dude. I know, How I, could you not watch it? What I, are you watching? I just... I have stuff to do. You know, like, I have stuff I can to only do dedicate so many, so many hours to pro surfing on the web. If you love women surfing, how's your fantasy surf team for your women i don't surf. even have a exactly fantasy surf team. you don't love women surfing i, I do love sw- surfing with women Let you me hate women it. and children just say it <laughs> no, i don't but i've got a bethany hamilton take for later okay well no no joke though dude that yeah. day two women surfing was the best competition i heard it was. i've ever seen you were sending me sylvana text. lima yeah. was killing it which she was my duke last time she's the, the greatest story she's the greatest story right now for the women's amazing for the women's tour she she needs to be excavated i love it rags to riches rags to rags like she's still broke that's right? true that's true she sold her house she sold her car just to go back on on the tour i think that's awesome crazy and um her post-heated interviews 
are as interesting and fun to watch as Glenn Micro Halls. Why? What does she do? What does she say? Her voice is super high-pitched. Oh. She speaks at a million miles an hour. Oh, really? English is her second language, but that's really the least of it. So like, you're it's saying just, she speaks better than you and I? <laughs> she. It's just hilarious. <laughs> yeah. She speaks better than Strider. Let's put it that oh, way. Okay, well. Oh. Whoa. Ding, okay. ding, 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 ding. Um, <laughs> so anyways, go check is out. Is it just me, but it seems like Strider like just... like. Gulps in a big chunk of breath mm-hmm. and just rolls, and whatever comes out of his mouth, he's just like not sure what's going to come. But it just like he just keeps going no matter what. And I, I don't think that he accurately delivers a single sentence in anything that he says. There's always kind of fumbles and foibles throughout. Yeah, which I've been known to do many. It's a time. fine. I'm like I said, it's we're, almost we're become a, stones. It's almost become a caricature, though. It's almost you know like yeah. It seemed like some of the other broadcasters were kind of making light of it. Almost they like, are. Oh, we love his energy. Exactly. You know? Exactly. Which he does have good. He's energy. He's a great guy. Look, I'm not here to no beat question. up Strider. But it's the opposite of what the WSL was really pursuing, which is like professionalism, and you yeah, know, yeah. he's just all passion and like spewing it. You yeah, know? yeah. Which is fine, but um, anyways. That day two women surfing is way overshadowed by the 11 day waiting period and the last couple of days of competition, but it was insane and it's worth noting. Yeah. Um, so back, back to the event, dude. What else do you have from the event? Well, there was what's, some real... what's interesting um, post event is there are five Brazilians in the top 10 right now. Gabriel Medina is not one of them. Insane. So do you want to talk about Gabriel's hiccup? Yes. What happened? Um, you're usually better at breaking these down, but my you know, take on it is he was in this heat with Micro Hall. There was an interference. He clearly interfered with Micro Hall, in my opinion. Micro Hall paddled out to him and probably dropped a couple F bombs, and they had F bomb exchange out in the water, which is fine. Yeah. Uh, after the heat, Peter Mel got um, Gabby and got him on camera, and they were talking, and and Gabby spoke from the heart and basically said, you know, uh, and he got a little heated, and I I've heard two versions that. All he was doing was repeating what Micro Hall said to him. And then I've heard that what I kind of got out of it was he was basically saying, hey, if you do that again, I'm going to kill. I'm going to kick your ass. Yeah. Um, well, I'll tell you exactly what he said. OK. I watched it. Um, so that event, by the way, I watched it, too. And I, 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 there's two different uh, interpretations. Interpret. OK. Well, first of all, Glenn Hall outsurfed. Gabriel Medina. That's the biggest story. Thank you. He did. Actually, it's the story that got that no one that because of all this other right, stuff. It right. got overlooked. Yeah. Glenn Hall outsurfed Gabriel Medina, and Glenn Hall talk about rags to rags. Yeah. Glenn Hall broke his back in Fiji last, or I think it was two years ago now. So it was. He took him ten years to qualify for the tour. He finally qualified midway through, broke his back in an event, had to sit out the rest of the season. Uh, campaigned for a wild card, which he didn't get because there was two other injuries that have main sponsors who contribute dollars to the tour, who they gave the wild cards to, even though Glenn was more deserving, in my opinion. So he had to sit out last year. They finally gave him a wild card this year, so he's back. And in the first event of the season, he dethrones our current world champ, the superstar of our sport. So that's the story. That's a great story. Bravo to Glenn Hall. Absolutely. So in that heat... Gabriel, who's known for being um, antagonistic when it comes to paddling for waves, there was an issue with C.J. Hobgood at Bell's last year, you'll recall. Yes. And so Gabriel's antagonizing Glenn through the heat. And Glenn even said there was an earlier instance where Gabe paddled in front of uh, Glenn, 
Glenn expected the judges to call a paddling interference on him, and they didn't. So Glenn was like, all right, screw it. I'll just have to outsurf him this heat. Well, then later, Glenn had priority, and he was off on the shoulder paddling into a wave. Uh, Gabriel, who was deeper in position for the wave, paddled to kind of try to, I guess, intimidate Glenn off the wave. Glenn go ahead and just goes on the wave and Gabe almost like bodyboards into micro when yeah. micro's going to get up and Gabe basically tries to pull out behind Glenn from a bodyboard kind of position but it looks like he either hits Glenn or tangles in Glenn's leash I think is more likely so when Glenn's paddling in to stand up he gets tangled and falls his hands slip off the rail and he falls on takeoff yeah so the judges called that an interference Glenn, I think, surfed another wave or something. But when he paddles out, you can see that he actually confronts Gabe about it. Gabe kind of ignores him. Glenn goes on to win the heat um, because of the interference call. They come in. They interview Glenn after the fact. And Glenn's like, yeah, we exchanged words, but it was no big deal. I'm just glad to be here. And he's really polite and kind about it. He's psyched to win the heat. Pete then goes and interviews Gabriel Medina. Gabriel basically just says, look. I'm upset, and there's three bad calls that were made. Yeah. Number one, KP, Kieran Perot, the commissioner of the tour, he did an all right job, but hopefully he'll get better at his job because he called this event off for you know 11 days, and now he's running it in crappy conditions. So hopefully KP will get better at his job. Number two, <laughs> the bad call was that priority call. This is a brand new rule that they just instituted, and I guess I'll have to learn the new priority rules. Number three... Next time Glenn Hall says F you to me, and then that's when yeah. uh, Pete jumps in. So it seemed like Gabriel to me was going to say, next time Glenn Hall says F you to me, I'll teach him a lesson or something right, along right. those lines. But uh, Pete jumps in before Gabe yeah, yeah. can finish the sentence. And then they cut away from it. And um, Well, let's address number one, right? Kieran Perot. Okay. Look. <laughs> He probably wanted to run in a D-ball, you know what I'm saying? But yeah. it's out of his hands. There's only so much a commissioner can do. If there's no waves, there's no waves. There's no waves. waves. There's no waves. Like, that's stupid, yeah. uh, right? So it's not KP's fault. So should he be fined for that? Not for calling out KP. No, not for calling out the commissioner's call. No, I don't think he should be fined for that. So you can you can, you can can talk negatively? Was that a, Would you characterize that as negative commentary? I would say it was, yeah. So you can commentate negatively about the commissioner of the WSL. You should be able to. You should be able if to. If that's your opinion. Okay. The part two. Uh, priority they, rule. They just instituted this priority, I it's guess. for I him. They made this rule because of something he did last year to be Derbage. Okay, what was that? Do you remember? PT will be able to. PT is going to be on the show later. Oh, by the way. <laughs> yeah, by the way, Peter Town is going to be here in a little bit. And we're going to chat with PT about this, but... PT will tell you exactly what went down, but it is a rule change that happened because of something that Bede, that Gabriel did to Bede. And here's my issue, is that, yes, Gabriel Medina, our world champion, you should learn the priority rules. Absolutely. You're a freaking idiot yeah. sitting here claiming, oh, maybe I so should he, learn the so rules. He's called, now he's called out the judges. Should he be fined for calling out the judges? No. Okay, so you can call out the commissioner of the WSL and you can call out the judges of the WSL on, li on a live broadcast. All of them are allowed to do that. I think you should be able to okay. if you disagree with their decision. I think I'm entitled to call you an idiot if you don't know the rules of your own sport. Right, right. Because here, when they pitched back to the booth with Ronnie, one second later, Ronnie explained that priority rule. Well, so the, I, it was I, not... The knowledge was there. But like obviously, up, Ronnie learned. It. I know it's. I know it's there. Yeah. You're right. He should. But back up a little bit because in other sports leagues, okay, like the NFL, 
coaches and ref coaches get fined uh, for for commenting negatively or questioning the referees. Okay. And so I'm just saying, look, if it, WSL wants to be like a sports league, yeah, I don't I, know. I, I would suggest, look, it's bad for your brand yeah. if if the competitors in your brand are saying the brand sucks. Right. That's basically what they're saying. They, and he said it twice. He's saying the commissioner sucks. Mm-hmm. Maybe that's a little harsh. He's saying I don't, you know, but yeah. he's talking. You know, he's not uplifting the brand, which yeah. which is kind of like biting the hand that feeds you. Right. And he's done it twice now. Against the judges and the commissioner right. on a live WSL broadcast. Well, look, if if they want to find him about that, those rules have to be in place. I'm not sure prior if they should. Well, for sure, and they and I think they are. I mean, in the past, you couldn't. No, I don't think. Wait, you're. I mean, people have been fined in the past, but it's when somebody uses a profanity. You well, know, he did that Bobby too. Martinez. We haven't even gotten there. Well, that, so then, he, then he did that. So if you're going to fine him, the fine should come because of the profanity, which mm-hmm. is why Bobby got fined, Freddie got fined in the past. Yeah. Jeremy Flores had a big fine last That's year right. for doing something. Well, he, he, he ran up to the judges. He and pounded he, through the door. He pounded he through the door. He broke through the door right. in the judge's tower. Right. So I think that is misconduct. Yeah. <laughs> um, so Well, anyway, I put that on my Facebook. I don't know if you saw it. I, I basically asked my Facebook followers, should Gabby be fined? And it like ran, ran. In fact, Kelly Slater chimed in on it. Oh, did he? Yeah. What did he say? Um, he basically called me out. He said, no, Scott Bash, you're wrong. I don't know. Let's pull it up. But, well, I don't have my. Anyway, he, he basically said, look, give him a break. He's a good kid. He made a mistake. You know, let's move on from this. He was just being passionate. That's basically what Kelly said. Yeah. That's and nice. a lot of people did that. That's... A lot of people said that. But then there's a lot of people that sort of took the line of, which is the one I'm taking is, is hey, all of your competitors, there, there should be like a policy, you know, and this is the policy. And the policy is. It's not good for you and it's not good for the WSL if you speak negatively about us. We're going to have plenty of critics. God forbid we got Scott Bass and David Scales on the podcast talking shit about us all Who's day David long. David Scales, by the way? David Lee Scales. Oh. You know what I mean? Like, There's plenty of people out there that are going to nitpick the crap out of this because that's what we do for fun. Yeah. But it shouldn't be the competitors who are the professional surfers who are trying to uplift the WSL. They shouldn't be the ones, especially, you know, when we're on a live broadcast with a WSL microphone in your face. Right. Okay. I fully agree with that in theory, but I just want more of my world champ. I'm so, we're so used to having Kelly, who's a perfect um, mascot for our sport. Who's mascot. That's the wrong word. Ambassador. Thank you. He's a perfect ambassador of our sport. And so he, he's well-spoken um, he's intelligent, all those things. And I agree. We're all let down well. by Gabriel's lack and of professionalism. It's like, dude, all are. I don't need you necessarily to prop up our sport, Gabriel, but I at least want you to not be so affected by, you know, like, or don't blame these exterior uh, circumstances. You lost to Glenn Hall, period. That's what happened. Don't come back in the booth and then start blaming KP, start blaming the judges and say you're going to get in a fight with the guy who beat you. Yeah, it was That's a lot pathetic. of there was a lot of cryberry commentary. It's, a, it's pathetic. Crybaby commentary yeah. on on the Facebook thing, you know, yeah. like you know, that's not professional. The yeah. three things that he did are not professional. And even when you have on occasion sense that Kelly Slater was going to say was disappointed, he did it. He had, was smart enough to go about it in a really, um, you know, in a manner that was sort of skirting the edges of yeah. what he really felt. But you sure. could sense that he felt 
yeah. bummed about something, but he was smart enough to massage it in the right way. I just want the best Gabriel Medina and the best surfing that we can get. And I'm disappointed by his feeble mindedness. That's what it should I'm not surprised. Are you surprised a, by dude, it? No. He's only 18. Talking, a lot of people are saying, look, he's 19. He's 18. It, give that, him a break. I agree. That is true. But those traits, I think, I mean, maybe maturity helps, but Kelly wasn't exhibiting those traits early on. The things that it takes to become a three-time world champ like Fanning, 11-time world champ like Kelly, it's really a lot more of kind of these internal character traits that you're that you have from your childhood that Gabriel doesn't really seem to be possessing. He possesses unbelievable talent and a lot of drive. He seems a little entitled. Dude, it's 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 a little unsettling. You're, you're not me. happy with your new world champion. I'm really I not. I told you so. I know. I told you so when you were waving but, the Brazilian flag last year. I was like, dude. Dude, if it, <laughs> if it revitalizes Kelly's passion, that's what I want. And that's what I was that's the flag. I, I don't. I, what makes I think Kelly tick and passionate is good waves, and I just think that he was, you know, it was lackluster. Well, here's my question to you: Is if it is lackluster and they are running in these crappy conditions, they're making decisions like this. They're re, they're doing an event at Margaret again, which we all agreed last year was a bad call. Possibly they're going to lose funding. What is Kelly's incentive to stay involved at this point? You know what I mean? Like the top end guys who are used to surfing, like, why stay? The, the, these waves are going to... I don't know. That's a question for him. You know, I, I really, uh, you know... That's another one of my concerns. Uh, you know, I, I think the big thing is, is he's inspired by the young guys, obviously, right? But not the young guys surfing waist-high waves. Like, no. I'm sure he's impressed by Felipe, yeah. but I don't think that inspired Kelly. No. Kelly was thinking about going to Fiji where it was bombing. Yeah. You know? I don't know, you know? I hope he hangs out long enough for the Red Bull Ultimate Surf Tour, though, when, when they go surf man-on-man man, two-hour heats. I think he has a conflict of interest there, too, with his Perps brand. Maybe. And so does John John Florence with Monster Energy. You know what I mean? Like, that presents so many issues. Um, Somebody was talking to me about how back in the 80s and 90s when Tom Carroll was the first pro surfer, I believe, to, to be solely sponsored by one company. I think it happened in like 88 or 89. He signed a $1 million deal or a million dollar contract with Quicksilver. But back then when you had multiple sponsors on your board, you know, like when you were sponsored by Body Glove and Billabong, sure. and, you know, it seemed like the surfers had more power because they, they were more spread out, mm -hmm. you know? And now to have these, all these surfers, many of these surfers just under one brand, you sort of lose your power as a surfer. You know, yeah. it's like, I, I got to tell the company line over here because they're paying me a hundred grand a year or whatever right. it is. Whereas before you're like, yeah, I'm getting 500 bucks from him. I'm getting 2,500 bucks from him. Right. And you know, I could love him or leave him. Right. And it's no big deal. Cause it's, and, this, and they, they certainly had, you could argue more power, which I thought was a great point though. Actually, Maurice Cole brought that up last yeah. week when I interviewed him. Did you listen to that? I listened to half of it. I mean, Did you hear what he said about bells? Cause I, no, asked I didn't him, get there yet. Well, I asked him about Bells because I was like, look, you might punch me right now. I'm telling you, I'm not sure Bells is a great competitive wave. What did he say? Um, I hope I don't misparaphrase him, but he basically said, look, when it's on, it's a great quality wave. It's a difficult wave to ride. A lot of these guys on tour don't know how to ride it good, right. which makes it a good competitive wave. You do need different boards and equipment for it. Adriano knows how to ride it because he's put in the time there. The guys that know how to ride it know how to ride it. And the guys that – the really good waves are the waves up at Little Rincon that come underneath that line up super fast, as fast as you can go, all the way through, 
rather than those sort of like softer yeah. ball waves that just, you know, sometimes they break, sometimes they don't. Okay. But, I mean, it's his home spot. He's going to be biased about it. But, In, but but his biggest point was what an amphitheater. Yeah. What an amphitheater for people to watch it, you know? Which doesn't do much for us, the web viewer. Right. You know? So I, one thing I will say about the Quicksilver Pro at Snapper was that it was super entertaining to watch. Even though the waves were small, it was highly competitive. Um, because of all the emotions running high from the lay days, it was super interesting. Like I thought it was one of the more exciting competitions I've seen in a long, I mean, since pipe, but prior to pipe, I don't know. You could sort of sense frustration is what it was, you know, like you sense that they were all on edge about it. Like no one was happy. It was crappy. They were all down. They'd been waiting for two weeks. It was never on. It was another lay day and they were all just like tense, which I think showed out right in what Freddie P did. Yeah. So Freddie P lost his heat, by the way, his combined heat total was 1.13. You. Yikes. Yeah. Maybe that's a record. <laughs> Yikes. That might be a record. So I, I might be mistaken, but I think he was surfing against Adriano. And Adriano just stayed busy, got lots of waves. Freddie just waited out the back for a set that never came and just got <laughs> got two waves of 0.5 and then, you know, point whatever, 6.3 or something. Well, his greatest wave and, was after the heat. So then after the heat, he's coming in on whitewash and he just starts aiming for the rocks at Little Marley. And we all knew it was coming. He telegraphed yeah. it. And then a rock is there, you know, three feet above water, and he basically just uh, Huntington Huntington hops right into the thing and stomps right on top of the rock, kind of try almost like he's trying to rail slide board slide the rock. Yeah. And um, the commentators were just like, "Oh my god, Freddie's <laughs> lost it!" And the word was that he actually. Walked straight through the contest zone with his board and his rash guard still on. Screaming? No, straight back to the hotel. Went all the way to his hotel, soaking wet in his rash guard. Took the elevator up to his room with a surfboard. Got to his room and then realized he didn't have his key card on him. (laughs) (laughs) So he's standing at the hotel in front of the door, soaking wet. Just goes, oh, crap. (laughs) So then he kind of shook it off and goes, all right, dude, I'm an idiot. I need to walk back down there with my tail between my legs. And he did. He went back to the event site and was kind of laughing at that point. And um, the internet kind of drew a Quicksilver logo with, you know, the mountain and a wave Quicksilver logo. And Freddie board sliding the quicksilver mountain yeah <laughs> which is pretty funny they're calling yeah. it freddy's rock yeah more that was a, one of the lighter moments of the event right? it was funny yeah um the other thing was kelly okay we got to talk about kelly's mindset we've touched on it a couple of times he lost in round three to um rookie italo it- italo ferrer goofy foot brazilian rookie and kelly actually thought that he was in the third heat of the day and so that morning when he woke up, he thought he was in the third heat of the day. And I think he was in the first. So he showed up to the event site frazzled, not knowing. So he goes out for a five-minute surf before the event, which he normally doesn't do. Came back in, went out and surfed his heat really poorly. With seven minutes left, he had priority. He took a crappy wave in to change equipment, to change boards. Yeah. So there's a couple things to note here. Why would you take a wave in when you have priority that isn't a set wave? Yeah. That shows... Because time was ticking down. It shows poor strategy on his part. Yeah, I agree. To do a board change if, well, when you're, you're, when you're losing change, the heat. I, you know, maybe, yeah, uh, certainly. 
It, I haven't given it much thought. But it proved to be a poor choice. Yeah. Because he came in, switched on to a Daniel Thompson-shaped board, which we've talked about the Firewire connection. This actually wasn't a Firewire construction board. Right. But it was this little interesting-looking Daniel Thompson board. Paddles it out. We're all excited to see Kelly catch the first wave on the WSL on this Daniel Thompson no waves came. Yeah. So he sat out there for the last few seven minutes or whatever, n- didn't catch a wave. Yeah. Wasted his priority on a crappy wave on his less. You know, it was just like so disappointing. In many ways, you know, how goes Kelly is how goes the WSL. Very true. You know, like that, that, that. in a weird way, those last seven minutes sort of summed up the event. Very true. Well, I think that's actually understating the brilliance of Felipe and... Yeah. And, and even Adriano to a... The thing about Felipe is it was like a coming out. We all knew it was he had the talent. You know, yeah. and It was sort of like a coming out thing. And, and whether it's at Snapper or wherever it's going to be, it was eventual that he was going to win an event. It just happened to be here. And that's a neat story that was going to happen wherever. But the overall vibe, you know, especially up to that point, yeah. you know, prior to round four or whatever, and good waves rolling or contestable waves rolling in was, was sort of characterized by those last seven minutes well i've got a question for you i mean the board change you could argue the board change was a metaphor for duramba you are so prolific in your older age dude you're coming up with these pearls of wisdom that for 72 years old they go deep dude (laughs) i'm expecting you to just be all surface all the time not coming in with a kook and duke and all that sort of business, <laughs> but instead you go deep sometimes. We may have talked about my kook and duke already. Oh, of course we have. That's your new mo. <laughs> no, that's what that's your new mo. It so could change. You wait, might, you might make it. <laughs> my a friend of mine posted on um, at Surf Splendor's Instagram a, a, an interesting thought. He said that he can't remember ever a competitor looking more um, uh, uh, just dominant than Felipe. Like, who's looked more intimidating in form and dominant than Felipe has? I mean, when Kelly's doing good, like at Tahiti last year and stuff, he looks like the informed competitor and he looks dominant, but not with the amount of arrogance that Felipe has, which, by the way, is founded. You know, it's not it's not um, unjust. He's dominating and claiming and owning it, and it's like he looks unstoppable. Yeah. And I thought that was an interesting point. Yeah. I haven't seen a competitor look that... Yeah, no, it, it, it's that's one of the most refreshing things about the entire Brazilian contingent is that they have this sense of sportsmen. Yeah. You know, like like to them, it's like a sport. Like right. the idea that it's this groovy lifestyle, and you know what, I'm going to go longboarding today, and I'm going to go shortboarding. Like to them, it's like rip the bag out, of the, rip the crap out of it right. to get points, and right. that's what surfing is. And yeah. I'm going to train to do that. Right. You know, and Felipe's ability in that style of waves, it, it is unmatched. There's nobody that matches his ability. Not right now. It's not insane. in two foot windswell. He looks like a video game. Like if you're playing, if you got the joystick in your hand, that's how you would surf that wave. Like it's unreal. Now I got two more slaps across the face for the WSL. If you'd like to hear. Oh that. my god, the poor WSL. In in the quarterfinal <laughs> heat against Julian and Taj. Yes. Our feed went out. Oh, I know. I remember I texted you. I was like, I got multiple texts and Twitter and every. It's I like, I was like, what? dude, is your feed bad? Because mine's bad too. Dude, we've waited eleven days for this event. Now it's a quarterfinal with a guy who ends up making it to the final and a former winner in Taj, That's and the bullshit. feed goes out. I know that was that was a heat that we wanted to see. Too. Dude, I'm pulling my hair out at that point. It's in. I was bombed. So, so I was only glad to know that your feed went out as well. Oh, yeah, it was a worldwide thing, and it wasn't just my exactly my uh, provider. So that's one slap across the face. 
Um, I take it as a personal attack, actually. Yes, uh, I can tell. It's pissed. You're going to drop a lawsuit. Jonathan Marshall's going to get another one. <laughs> uh, so, what happens if you pay per view and that happens? You might have a little class action lawsuit. My other question is, if this comes down to a Red Bull situation at the end of the season, Red Bull's viewer, their media player, yeah. sucks. If right. you ever try to watch a Red Bull produced content, a live thing. No. Well, oh. not only live. I've watched live ones too, but it's like they make the 21 days series, you right. know, and you go, they don't embed on YouTube. They keep everything oh, yeah, in house. It's all owned. It's all owned on their, trip. on their own yeah. media player. Yeah. And, um, the thing sucks, dude. Yeah. It takes forever to buffer. That's because it's, that's where it is. Yeah. It's, you know, it needs to be out there in different, different points on the, on the web, you know, different yeah. places. Right. Stashed in different servers. Mm hmm. Hiring for a small business is critical. It's imperative that you find a highly qualified professional to treat and grow your business with the same care and detail that you do. LinkedIn Jobs will be your next big unlock. LinkedIn Jobs has created the tools to find the right professionals for your team fast and for free. Everybody is already on LinkedIn with their resume and their references. So the fact that LinkedIn built a hiring platform to connect the dots between everything is simple genius. It's way more sophisticated than a job board. It's a vast network of more than a billion professionals meticulously organized to connect people by skill set, desire, ambition, all in an effort to help us advance our position. And it's easy to use and intuitive. So effective that 86% of small businesses get a qualified candidate within 24 hours. Fast hiring solutions means achieving your goals in record time with rapid growth in 2024. LinkedIn Jobs will even help you write the job descriptions and give you tools and prompts to help you interview your candidate like a pro. LinkedIn.com slash surf is where you go to post your job for free. Yes, totally free. And you can let the world's largest social network of business professionals work to connect you with the ideal candidate to help you grow your business. That is LinkedIn.com slash surf to post your job for free. Terms and conditions apply. Um, I had another slap across the face for the WSL, but now I can't think of what it was. And I we've slapped them down pretty hard. I'll come, I'm sure I'll, I'll think. tell you. The, I'll tell you what that this I, I've heard from more than one surfing journalist oh. in Australia that they are peeved at the lack of communication. Just like I, I ranted last time about the WSL, the lack of transparency for the WSL. There's they are used. The surf journalists in Australia are used to rabbit and the boys and the ASP kind of just like telling Inside, them what's going yeah. on, you know. And it's the WSL from a communication standpoint is run like the state department, you know, or not even that good. You know, it's right. just, it's a one way delivery of like bullet point talking points and there's no give and take. And it's like, this is what's happening. Good by No, I'm not taking questions. See you later. Yeah. Which actually and they don't respond to any emails, which then when all these rumors come out that you've revealed, it just adds fuel to that flame. It's like, if you're not going to tell us anything, then we have no choice. I'm just going to have to go to... on parking lot fodder. Exactly. Okay, here's my other slap across the face. Uh, they Instagrammed after Felipe won the next day. Um, they, not Instagram, they Twittered a photo of Felipe doing this kind of blow tail air and said, Felipe Toledo's club sandwich on a way to a win. That wasn't his club sandwich, right? Yeah. Like we talk about 
mislabeling maneuvers and the judges need to know what maneuvers are in order to score them properly. The club sandwich turn, which I talked about Silvana Lima doing in our last show, is like an upside down blow tail through the lip while you're grabbing the rail. Josh Kerr does them. Dane Reynolds, Jeremy Flores. You mentioned Seabass. Seabass did one in the early rounds. Felipe did a couple. It's this really spectacular turn that's very difficult to do. I know the judges aren't the ones sending out the Twitter stuff, but still, if you're going to, usually that's I think- what That's probably that girl that's on the communications. Like there's like three people, like there's Dave Proden, somebody else, and this girl. She's probably the one that gets that. And, and it, she probably doesn't even surf. And she, maybe it's an intern situation. Maybe she doesn't get paid. You're just doing it as experience. It's a problem when surfers, non-surfers are running a surf league. And, and it's a problem when all of your viewership participates on social media. Almost social media you know, it's amazing how much of surfing exists on there, more so than a lot of other industries. Yeah. Kind of runs on Instagram. And this was a Twitter, a tweet, but it was like, I'm just scrolling through and it's like Felipe Toledo Club Sandwich. I'm like, whoa, whoever posted this mislabeled it. Oh, it was the WSL that posted this? That was the sickest turn of the event? What? And I actually tweeted back to them and I'm like, try again, you guys, which I don't think they'll even understand. They probably misinterpreted me and thought I actually thought they were talking about a sandwich, you know, but it's just like, it's like, you guys, you're blowing it. You're blowing it. So in regard to your communication department stuff that falls in that category, um, can we talk about fantasy surfer before PT comes in? Yeah. Uh, dude, fantasy surfer. I set up the PayPal account. Yeah. How did I do better than me? Really? I hate to say it better than me. I think we, everybody's teams blew up. Well, I mean, wow, things got shuffled. Yeah. I mean, really, things got shuffled because all the top guys, a lot of the top guys other than Mick performed really poorly. And a lot of the low seeds, like uh, Matt Wilkinson, came out of nowhere and smashed it. And he was on your team. So, I mean, a really good job to the winners. Um, So, real quickly, I sent up a PayPal account. If you want to contribute to the next event, we're doing $10 per event, winner takes all. Okay. We have 150 club members, so somebody could win $1,500. Somebody will win money, but you don't have to contribute the $10 if you don't want to play, but if you do, you have an opportunity to win. The way that you do it, go to PayPal, search hello at Surf Splendor Podcast is my email address. Yeah. And Donate $10 to the men's event if you want and $10 to the women separately if you want. And there'll be separate pots. There'll be one winner in each event. And make sure that in your note with your payment, you give me your fantasy surfer handle. That is the most important thing. If you don't give me your fantasy surfer handle, I won't be able to pay you at the end of the event. So hello at Surf Splendor Podcast. Send money through PayPal. You could just search via the email address. And who won our our first... It's it's so disappointing, dude. Boogie board for life. (laughs) (laughs) How fitting. Boogie Boogie board Board for life life won the men's division of our first event with nine hundred and fifty-seven points. That's a lot. Yeah, it's a lot. He he was uh, number two hundred and fifty-five overall in the overall standings. Good for him. That's a lot. His team had Fanning, Pupo, Felipe, who won the event, Kolohe, Julian, who finaled in the event, C.J. Melling, and Dusty all of whom lost in round two or three. Yeah. Um, so really impressive. So I guess if you had Felipe Fanning and Julian Wilson, you're... And Pupo. And Pupo, Because yeah, Pupo quarterfinal or semifinaled, actually. So what did I have? Uh, you 400 finished, and something? No, I, I forget your yeah. total. You should provide your own total. I know, I would. Now. I just didn't bring my computer. So um, you, you and I both finished in the 80s. I think you finished three or four spots ahead of me. 
which I was so pissed about. I don't yeah, even care straight. about losing. I just want yeah, to beat straight. you. Yeah, good luck with that. That ain't going to happen. You're lucky pal. you put Wilco on your team. And you subbed out. You had CJ. You subbed out CJ for Wilco. Yeah. That was the dis- – yeah. I was so pissed. Wilco served great. Wilco served fantastic. Uh, by the way, number the women's. Uh, Dent won the women's division with 817 points. Bells Beach starts – Nobody eight- cares about the women. Everybody cares except you, Scott. You hate women surfing. Uh, the Bell's Beach is PT here. I don't know what I got. Oh, okay, so um, the Bell's Beach event starts April first. So we'll look forward to that start. And like I said, get your ten dollars in before that April first deadline via PayPal. Search hello at surfsplendorpodcast.com. You can participate in both divisions, the men and the women's, if you want, or just one or not at all. But if you want a chance to win, then you obviously have to contribute. And um, if the winner of the event doesn't actually contribute to the pot, then, you know, we'll just go down the line. Second place, we'll take it or whatever. So definitely do that. All right. We are super ecstatic to have... uh Good friend of the show, PT, Peter Town, a 1976 world champion. Uh, PT, welcome, my friend. Bassie, how is it today? It's a beautiful day in Southern California. <laughs> it is, huh? We had fun this weekend down at Rincon. I saw you get one of the longest waves <laughs> on that 11-foot glider, and I was cheering for you. Did you hear that's me cheer? What, that's what that board's all about. That's the uh, Skip Fry impersonator. <laughs> yeah, I was cheering. That was a killer long. And then you looked like, man, I don't think I can paddle back out. I saw you questioning. <laughs> I was debating whether I was going to paddle all the way back because I had gone about 300 yards, and I'm going, oh, my God, I have to paddle all the way back up to the point again i was disappointed dude i gotta say you let me down uh well we've been talking asp stuff and i want to get right into it with you i know you were in australia and um and uh first give me your thoughts on philippe toledo and and the whole brazilian contingent there are five brazilians in the top 10 right now well i said after the last year's season when medina won which he you know he deserved to be the world champ i went you don't want to have a brazilian in your heat next year because now they all know they can do it and what's ironic about Snapper already, it wasn't Medina that went to the top. It was everybody else, which just shows you. And actually, the first day I saw Toledo surf at Snapper, I just, I called the shot. I go, this guy's going to win the whole freaking thing. And I go, not only was, you know, he's known for his trick surfing, but his rail surfing, you know, he looked like he had the boards dialed in and looked like the board was perfect for the conditions. And it was his rail surfing. Uh, it was just unbelievable. And other people were noticing in that. And then, you know, and then you got somebody like a Wiggly Dantos, who's been a WQS warrior for five years, and comes from the same group, but took him that long to get there. And what did he do? He got the semifinals. And, you know, legitimately, it wasn't about any sort of, sort of trick surfing. It was power top to bottom on his back end. Those guys are going to be scary. I mean, you know, we'll see what happens. In whether they got the sophomore jinx at Bells, but um, yeah, it depends what the conditions are like at Bells. But you know they're off to a good start. And uh, I was commenting yesterday to a mate. <laughs> just think if the, if by Margaret River there is still five of them in the top ten and they're going to Rio. <laughs> oh, yeah, <I'm> <laughs> and, and then I don't want to also forget about Silvana Lima. You Absolutely. Know? I mean. I said at the beginning of the year, uh, too, just like I said, she's a veteran. She's the oldest girl on tour. She's been off tour for a while. She has no sponsorship. She had to finance her way through the QS to get back there. And I said from day one, this girl's going to be scary. Right. And and it proved it. First heat she went out, she, I mean, 
she smacks Steph Gilmore upside the head on a home break. Yeah. No, I think there's um, people talk about in sports psychology, like, you know, they can never beat the, the five minute mile or whatever. But as soon as one person does it, it's physically possible. But now somebody's broken through the mental barrier. Now everybody could do it. It's not or Tony Hawk doing the 900 or right. whatever. So I think that might have been what happened with Gabriel Bedina. He just punched through the mental block. And now everybody, it's like game on. Kelly's not so intimidating anymore, you know? I just think that the, it's a phase we're going through in the sport, which is fantastic in my opinion, because finally there, there, there's this Latin energy for real right. within the sport. Uh, and this has happened in other sports uh, where you get a push from some sort of geographic region of the world. And it's good for the sport because it, it makes the, the, those countries that might have got a little lazy they have to go, wow, we need to reevaluate. <laughs> well, we've talked, Scott and I have talked about that on the show a lot, is that America represents that laziness, you know? We do not have the drive of too much too soon. The kids get sponsored early, people get paid early, and there's not the drive that the other countries And I think have. we've seen that, really, the, the one that is the epitome of that was Chloe Andino. He got so much hype so early on from the time he was 12, but now we're starting to see the Chloe Andino live up to the potential and well, and I and I he's he's a different man this year I mean he turns up he's got the goatee going on he's got the beard going on he's got the hair brushed back the old man isn't trailing along at Manly at the Hurley Australian Open I mean he was intimidating he you know like he just wasn't going to get beaten and and you could tell it was a different Chloe Andino and finally the skills are living up to the hype that we've heard about for 10 years. I feel the exact same way with Chloe, and I've actually been watching him and hoping that he would fulfill his potential. And going into Manly, he won the one star in Huntington. Going into Manly, he did really well in that, and I thought this would be his year. But his approach is pretty similar to Felipe's, and they actually matched up at this event and Felipe blew doors on Chloe. It's like everything that we've wanted out of Chloe, Felipe is a better version of in those type of waves anyways. And it was really kind of disheartening for me as a Chloe supporter to see that happen. Now, what we haven't seen out of Felipe is anything in the South Pacific or anything in Hawaii, which is a place where Chloe's actually made a lot of progress in the last year or two. And that takes time. And, and I, think, I think in that case... It's a lot easier to bring those skills that are so good in the little conditions up than if you're coming from a Hawaii background and you have to try and bring those skills down. Good point. And so, I mean, I'm the epitome of that. I came from, I came from Superbank, Kira, small wave upbringing, four to six feet, and yet I went to Hawaii. And, you know, one of the things I'm most proud of was how successful I was at Sunset, yeah. you know, like in the Duke contests and all the events and Waimea and 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 yet i had never ridden any big waves it's easier to bring those small wave skills up if you've got the heart you gotta have the heart absolutely <laughs> that's the big difference which, which north americans have the heart and we talked i just said that north americans are soft david and i have talked about it at length um it just doesn't seem like um you mentioned kolohe he must be on your list as a potential. nat young nat young's in the mix yeah I, I agree with you i think nat young has uh more potential than Kolohe to be a world champion. Um, are there any others on your radar that you see? Are you including the Hawaiians in this discussion or are you just talking about mainland? I like North America in this discussion. Um, 
Because <laughs> the Manis boys in Hawaii definitely have the ability and skills to get there. But, um, you know, I still go to all these NSSA events and some Surfing America events, and I see the best kids. And uh, it's looking pretty bleak at the moment. Really? Yeah. I mean... Um, the kids from Encinitas, the family, uh, Jake Marshall, Jake Marshall, Cola Pinto, and from San Clemente. I mean, that that ah, it's it's hard to tell. Well, look, but, I look at him and I'm like, look, sounds like the Geiselman brothers. You know, like where are they? You know, like there's a bunch of these guys that win NSSA open season, big deal. Well, there's one big dynamic that's going to change a lot of this is next year in 2016, the ASP World Juniors comes down to 18. And that matches the ISA World Junior Team Program. And that's going to change things from a point of view of how early, guys. It used to be this progression. You get on the ISA national team for your country for under 18 for the World Junior Championships, which is the most important ISA event, in my opinion. And Of the 7,000 events that <laughs> yeah. they hold? You know, I mean, it's a proven theory. If you go back to Brazil in 2006, which I coached in, 11 of the people on tour today are from that actual event. I mean, yeah. Julian won and Jordy was second and Jeremy Flores was fourth in the men's alone. And in the in the juniors, it was Owen Wright and Alejo Menez. And in the girls, it was uh, Paulina Du, Sally Fitzgibbons, Courtney Conlig, and <laughs> I mean, it's just proven that that was the way. But next year, the ASP is lowering their age to 18. So what does that do? I think it's going to hurt the ISA junior program, in my opinion, because people are going to go straight to ASP early yeah. to try and get in the system, to get through the system, to get to the QS, you mean to get the pro, to the CT. The pro junior events. Is the that pro what you junior mean? events come down from 20. To so you used to go from the world junior team, two years in the ASP world junior program, and hopefully you're getting yourself into the QS and into the system. So kids that were going to be in the under 18 ISA, their their world, their national team, they're under 18, they turn 18 and now they go to the ASP. What's different? No, no, no. It means those guys are going to try and get into that system earlier because now they're going to go, well, it's 18. means I can get in early. I can get into the ASP system earlier by being in the junior program because you get benefits from being in the ASP world junior program. Right. You get seated into stuff. You okay. get, you know. And okay, so you can be as young as 14 or 15 in the ASP. It's going to bring the whole thing down. Yeah. Hmm, interesting. Did anyone have any discussion about this? Or oh, yeah. All just, <laughs> no, no, no. no. I mean, well, well, you know. A meeting of Fernando, the minds, or no, Fernando's up in arms. Yeah. And, you know, they're, they're, they're ASP and WSL are head-to-head -head on this yeah. thing. And, you know, they're going for world domination <laughs> well that brings us you know david and i had a long discussion this morning about the wsl and its viability as a as a league um what are your thoughts on that and uh, you know we basically feel like um it doesn't look bright for the wsl unless something some big hitter comes and we the worst case scenario is that by the end of this year some company comes along and buys the wsl for pennies on the dollar because the ziff brothers are sick of throwing money at it well, first off, I want to qualify that I think they've done an incredible job in the period that they've and done. And we have too. I we mean, agree. The eyeball, we don't the, want them to the, lose. The eyeballs have been just quadrupled from a point of view. Well, just look at the Facebook thing. It went from 400,000 to half million in one year. That, that's a serious freaking increase just in Facebook fans alone. And the ability that they've put it on broadcast TV on Sunday afternoons, I can tell you that is having an effect. 
I, I, is that I, in Australia and Brazil? No, no, where is that? Uh, well, in Brazil, it's having oh, you a mean huge effect. Here on NBC. On, in, yeah, on ABC. Yes. Yeah, but no. it doesn't matter. You know, like I go to a family function for the Town End Bishop Plan in America, and people that are in that clan from the valley, you know, Simi Valley, that have absolutely nothing to do with surfing, haven't seen surfing on TV in years, know that their, their relative was a world surfing champ. First family thing I was at, they go, wow, we saw surfing on TV on Sunday afternoon. That's so insane. I actually watched it for a while. Yeah. Right. That, that hasn't happened. That hasn't happened since the Bud Surf Tour on Prime Ticket in the ESPN. Yeah. <laughs> and so, right. so they've done a really good job that broadening the scope of creating fans. As good as the webcasts are, those webcasts are insane. We're still talking to ourselves. We're not talking to a broader audience. We're not creating a bigger fan base. It has to go to some sort of network broadcast thing. Now the challenge is that they've increased the eyeballs, maybe not enough yet to get the big players. They have to be able to monetize it. That, that, that's, the, that's the challenge of the WSL. I hope it works. I'm telling you right now because pro surfing's going to be in a sad state of affairs if it doesn't. What are your opinions on... Uh why it's difficult to monetize or why haven't they been able to monetize with one full year under their belt now? It's a simple answer. What's the eyeballs? eyeballs. <laughs> it's, it, the eyeballs are still not enough for someone so to come answer, write the big check. Your answer would suggest worst case scenario because are there going to, how many eyeballs do they need? And are they going to get there in eight Are months? they going to get there before, 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 before the money runs out? Yeah. That's, that's, that, that's the challenge. Yeah. That's, that's the challenge right there. Is there going to be another doubling of the Facebook numbers? And the- I, I, think, I, think, I think it's, it's the, the Facebook numbers have to get bigger. The, I have no idea. I've not seen what the ratings are for those ABC shows, those one-hour shows. You know, those have been leading in right before the NFL. I mean, they've been primed right in the middle of whack of a Sunday afternoon entertainment. Mm. I haven't seen those numbers, so I don't really know. But, you know, look, the, you know, we have Samsung written all over the WSL, but it's only a piece of Samsung. It's not Samsung the Samsung. Yeah. It's a piece of Samsung, you know. Yeah, yeah. They've, they've got to get somebody that comes in, you know, like a Coca-Cola or somebody Ford that writes the company. ticket for yeah. the global empire of McDonald's. You yeah. know what I mean? Yeah. The, but they've got to have eyeballs for somebody to sign off on that. Unless... In one of those companies or brands, you find another Ziff who says, hey, we want to get behind surfing because it's cool. But, you know, then, then on the other hand, it, it actually makes me laugh because I get out of the plane a couple of days ago, get out LAX driving along, and I see this giant Verizon billboard for surfing. Yeah. <laughs> there's somehow there's a disconnect. You see yeah. what I'm saying? Yeah. Like, here's a company like Verizon claiming yeah. surfing. But they're not contributing to the WSL. There's, there's yeah. something. I, I was, <laughs> I was seeing uh, in LA a uh, Verizon billboard with Courtney Conlog for a while. Was that the one that you saw? No, this is a new one. And they had one for Chloe Andino up there for a while okay. too. Okay. And and uh, and there's a new one since I've been gone thirty days. Is it just know? a wave, or is there somebody that we know? No, no, on no. no. It, it's actually a guy surfing with a surfing slogan. I can't exactly remember the wording, but it's right there. As soon a as you come out, that, out, of, out of LAX, a you know? surfer you recognize though, or just it looked like, like, a like it could have been Chloe still, only okay. it didn't have his name on it. You know, interesting. Hmm. Well, um, look, we all want the WSL to succeed. We're you know, it gives us. Uh, great stuff to talk about and we're all fans of pro surfing and we've stated that as much every single show we do because we we do end up being critical as well as praising the wsl um but we we want to know 
worst case scenario? Do you even want to go there? Like, what's <laughs> what's worst case scenario? Um, Let me ask you this: from a fan's perspective, in a perfect world, if whatever you wanted to see as a fan was going to get sponsored and get monetized, what would that look like? Would it look like what you're seeing now, or would you want to see I think, a trim? I, no, down? No, I, I think the product needs to change a little bit. I I, I was funny this first event. You know, it's great now because we get this immediate feedback because of social media. And, uh, you know, when Medina had, it, Medina had his little meltdown, you know, like the, the commentary that was going on was really interesting from point of view of uh, he, he was whining about some decisions. And a couple of us old schoolers came back at that and went, these guys have never had to surf for points on the east coast of the USA Absolutely. or surf at 30 foot Waimea for points. None of these guys have ever known. We didn't care about the money. We cared about the points and we had to do it. And we didn't whine. We turned up and smiled. If Fred Hemming said, you guys are going out there, yet you might die, we were out there. <laughs> and the same, we'd go to the East Coast and the conditions that we would compete in, they brought in the one and a half foot, foot rule. And I'm telling you, it got violated a couple of times. There's a famous event, the Wave Wizards. We had to have a boat go back and forth to actually make the wave legit, right? So they should start whining. Well, that, you know? <laughs> to me, that speaks to Gabriel Medina's mindset. So, 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 but the capper on that is, and we didn't have any loser's heats. There was no second chance. Right. You turned exactly. up on the draw and you had to beat your opponent. Right. There was no like, just, ah, yeah, like, geez, ah, so, you know, like, I'll, I'll, get through the, I'll get through the next round. I'll be back in the mix. Right. There was none of that. It was straight up. You're, it's on. You either beat the guy in front of you or you're out. I think they could shorten and they wouldn't have what happened at Snapper where they were forced to compete in marginal conditions. They could shorten the events right now by two days easily just by taking out the losers factor in both the men's and the women's. And as Sean Thompson famously said, losers rounds are for losers. <laughs> <laughs> and so I, I think they need to look at the format a little bit too. And then the second thing is, is if, the, if the thing was to collapse from a point of view, a financial point of view, I think what you're going to see happen is you're going to have your marquee events because this time the brands aren't going to come back and bail it out like they did 10 years ago. They can't. And they can't afford to. You're going to have what I think might happen is you'll have a Grand Slam type format that's like in tennis or the majors like in golf where you know Bells is going to happen. Rip Curl's going to underwrite Bells no matter what, right? It, for all, all intents and purposes, I don't think Hurley's going to give up trestles and the, and the Hurley Pro. And you know that the Pipe Masters is going to happen. If it's not Billabong, Vanza's going to prop that whole, one up. The whole Triple Crown will happen. Yeah, and Vanza's going to prop that up. I mean, just look at Vanza's, what's going on with the company. I mean, the company's They're like going, from success to success, and they understand that what they've done, you know, since Jay Wilson it. came along and reinvented the whole freaking brand on the marketing platform with Triple Crowns and all this other stuff, they've gone from strength to strength. So you could end up arguably with a... A, a Grand Slam tour that's Bell's Beach, Southern California, and Hawaii, and then a bunch of other regional events, just like what happens with the PGA yeah. and and the and the W the tennis tour. Yeah. That, that that could happen. Yeah. I mean, that's what I would see would happen immediately because they're not going to. I mean, you know, the word says that they lost about thirty million dollars last year. Nobody's going to nobody's going to come in and underwrite thirty million dollars. Sorry, there isn't. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, worst case scenario seems to be 
sadly. I mean, I just don't, I'm sure they did great and they've doubled the amount of people that are tripled the amount of people. They're not going to triple the amount of people. And I think they need to triple the amount of people just to get to where they, they could go to Ford and go underwrite it. Mm Mm-hmm. One of our one of the scenarios that we've been advocating for, if the system does fall apart, is kind of doing away with the bottom 15 or 20 surfers. We'd rather see, even if it's a pay-per-view type event that we have to actually finance ourselves for $10 an event, I'd rather see the top four guys competing at 8 to 10 foot cloud break, maybe for a four-hour window or something like that. I think that if the system were to fall apart, it would open up a lot of potential and creativity for events like that. Where it's the heavyweights swinging for the fences, UFC basically. UFC type stuff. Ultimate where, fighter, man on man, think heavyweight boxing. Where we don't necessarily have to watch Kai Otten surf against Adam Melling in the round two, you know, losers round in knee high slop. Well, that's how the PGA works. I mean, you have the cutoff. I mean, if you just think of it for a second, there's a lot of golfers that tee off on the first couple of days that you've never even heard of. And unless you get to the cut, and every now and again we hear these nightmares, Tiger didn't make the cut, or, you know, Nicholson didn't make the cut, you know, like you could go to that kind of it was kind of a little bit that way back in our day more because it used to be originally it was the top eight, and then it was the top 16. And they had a bunch of people. The fighter all fighting it out till till they got to the top eight or the top sixteen. Well, you know that that you know. I mean, yeah. I mean, I think the format we're currently in with losers rounds has run its course. I don't think the way the rankings so much needs to change. I mean, everybody has that kind of mindset, and 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 I don't think that needs to change. But how many keep people compete compete needs to change. And, and what is the cutoff number? I agree. And the, like you said, the qualifying series, I'm into that too. And that can be something mm-hmm. separate that we market well, every differently. Sport have the, every sport has that. Totally. And I'd love to see those guys. Even the, the I love the Heath Joskies. I've been following mm-hmm. Wiggly Dantes this whole time. Like I love those guys. But again, on the top upper echelon, we don't need to see those bottom 20 guys. I don't That's think. why losers and rounds need to go. They do. And when you look at the... <laughs> because those guys would be out already. You wouldn't be seeing them again. <laughs> when you look at the stats for the the viewing of the contest, you know, those those heats are viewed at such smaller numbers than Kelly Slater and Gabriel Medina's heat in Chopu. Or John so, John Florence. Totally. And so when the WSL is showcasing their stats to potential sponsors... They don't need those those low viewed heats anyways. It's not doing them any favors. It's not doing us the viewer any favors. So there's I think there's ripe opportunity for change. Tom Curran versus Aki got better ratings than half those heats. Right. <laughs> right. I'm I'm curious um I'm curious to hear your thoughts on Kelly Slater's mindset. Like coming out of coming out of not winning world titles the last couple of years, going into this event not only performing poorly at this event, but thinking that his heat was the third heat of the day rather than the first coming into switch equipment with seven minutes left, um, having all these extracurricular things going on with outer known and perps, um, all this uncertainty with the WSL's financial woes, like where is Kelly at? What does it look like going into the rest of the year, going into Margaret's, which he's not particularly successful at you know what are your thoughts um it would be a real shame if he just suddenly starts to back out too soon 
that I just feel that the tour needs him still at the moment, particularly in what we've been discussing here with the WSL. He's he's the marquee still. I mean, it, yeah, John John might have beat him in the surfer pole this year, but more people still when the, when when Kelly's heats on was at Snapper, the beach is just packed. Right. And as soon as his heats over, there's a mass exodus. <laughs> yeah. And 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 John John comes down. There's a crowd. But it's not like you don't feel this pressure, you know. You don't feel this, ah! and and I think that it would be a shame. Now, where his personal head's at, my God, he's forty-three years of age, and look, I competed at a high level for ten years, and I went from number five in the world in seventy-nine to the next year. I think I was like number forty-four. My head just was not in it anymore. Right. My daughter was born, whose birthday is today. Wow. <laughs> Happy birthday. She's thir- she, Rana, she's 35 today. Nice. And, and when she was born, my head was in another place. The one thing I do know, that Slater at, at an ability level is still at the level that he can beat anybody in just about any condition if he's got his act together within a 30-minute eat. I mean, well, that's why I asked you that question about mental state, and you just alluded to it. After competing for ten years, it's hard to keep your head in. He's been doing it for over twenty. Exactly, (laughs) and so, and when you look at all of his extracurricular obligations, that makes me question his motivation. You know, that that's why I'm asking. Well, clearly, he doesn't need it from a financial motivation. I mean, the 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 guy's got houses everywhere. I wouldn't hate to know how many millions he's probably got stored away in the bank. I mean, I'm sure he doesn't need it financially. I don't think that him competing any longer, to be honest, really has a, a bearing on out of knowing. I mean, you just look at still the Jordan thing with Nike, and, and it's still Nike, one of Nike's most successful divisions, just the Jordan division. Absolutely. I mean, it hasn't shrunk. It's got bigger. <laughs> so Slater's a name attached to out of known as an icon. He's a, he's a Jordan type pe- right. person that can drive a brand Till he passes away. <laughs> well, I think that's what he realized with Quicksilver, where it's like, I'm probably benefiting Quicksilver more than Quicksilver can really benefit me at this point, And that's why he's developing Outer Known. But I wonder if he comes to that conclusion with the WSL as well, where they're starting to make different decisions, like running in knee-high snapper. You know, the, the, I, I think the truth will come out when we get to our first real wave. And that being either cloud break and it's eight to 10 feet or Chopu and it's eight to 10 feet or at the end of the year at pipeline. If all of a sudden he's getting beaten in those places and cause that really challenges him. He still prides himself. What do you think? He was still at the Vulcan pipe pro this year and he got right. in the final. He didn't win, but he was freaking right in the mix till the very end. Right. Yeah. And, and, and when he can't win in those conditions, that's when I think he's going to go, ah, yeah. Because, you know, he pays a price when he surfs in those events. He doesn't get escape injury all the time. He gets slammed and gets hurt like everybody else. And when you're 43, coming back from that type of stuff, it hurts a whole lot more. I know. Well, that's my only problem is I don't want to see him get beaten out of competition, which is what we've been seeing kind of. You know, I mean, Happened he was- to Jordan. I know. It's just I so don't want to see it, you know? What was that team, Washington Wizards, he played for, right? I want him to be like Seinfeld, you know, just like crushing it in the ratings. I, I, and I really w- would have loved to see him win a world title in the last two years and just have walked away. Just right. said, I'm done. I think we all want that. Yeah. 
we but want I don't. That, I, we want but that I, this I think year. that window is just passed. For, it might have. Uh, it's going to have. I want it to be this year. If he doesn't get a result at Bell's yeah. or at Margaret River, yeah, and Bell's, he arguably can can really be a contender. Open ocean isn't his favorite thing. Yeah. <laughs> like in Margaret River's open ocean. I mean, he's never had a real result at sunset ever. Yeah. Never. Yeah. Right. And and. You know, they don't have CTs there, but he's never done well in all the big QSs, which most people, you know, compete in for the triple crown. And Margaret River's the same way as being at Sunset, only it's the left instead of a right. <laughs> Has Kelly won at Hollyiva? No. He's and not, he's never won at Sunset. The open ocean place... Pipe's not open ocean. Oh, I know. It's the one place on the North Shore yeah. where it Just stands kind of... up on the beach and you're yeah. on the beach. Yeah. <laughs> Interesting... Uh, um, I forgot my line of questioning. I had a great question. Was it about D-Bar? <laughs> um, <laughs> oh, the, D- the D-Bar conspiracy theory? Yeah. <laughs> you, I told you about my conspiracy theory. Yeah. At, at WSL does not want to lose Kelly or Mick in round two to those young upstarts freestyle. Hey, all sports don't want to do that. The, the, the golf guys don't want to lose Tiger and not make the cut. They don't want to yeah, lose but Nick. The, but those, <laughs> those sports already have blanket sponsorship. The WSL right. really needs eyeballs, like more than ever. And so to lose those two guys is to lose tons of eyeballs. So that's why they didn't have it at D-Bond. I know you've argued that it's more than that. There's state politics, New South Wales, Queensland. I call BS on that, as I did with you on Rin, at Rincon, because you and I both know that if they want to move it to Deba, they can. And they have in the past. Well, and they even threatened to do it this year. Kieran Perot makes that call, to be honest. And, 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 and Jay Phillips was the other guy, the other uh, the surf on-site you know, guy to make the call with Kieran. I don't... To be honest, Kieran's a pretty stand-up, straight-up sort of guy. I don't, I don't think... He, I, I'm not, and I don't think. I think the conspiracy is goes more to the to somebody talked to Karen and said, "Hey, look, here, here's what's on. we want you to know. This is our side of the situation." Before you no, make, I'm your not call. saying that didn't happen. Yeah, but if Kieran had seen conditions at Durambar that he thought were contestable for them to run those eats, and I was around when the, some of those calls were being made, it was marginal, particularly at Durambar because you start off in the morning, conditions are great. And all, as soon as that wind switches to the southeast, yeah, you know, it, it, get, it gets marginal. Yeah. And especially if the tide's going out, it gets really marginal. Yeah. You know, so I, I didn't see where they could get enough heats off to make it to make it like a legitimate call. Just the infrastructure they were going to have to mount to what, run two heats or four heats. When they, that's what's wrong with these events. They're too big, right? They, when they start the engine, they got to run eight heats at least. <laughs> Otherwise, it's just a financial disaster yeah. to just turn the engine on. <laughs> you know, the WSL just redid some crazy warehouse in Santa Monica or whatever and spent a lot of money on some... Have you been there? Yeah. Is it beautiful? It's amazing. Did it the cost t- a lot of t- money? The TV studio is absolutely state-of-the-art. So they threw a ton of dough at this thing. Mm-hmm. Um, it's... It's kind of scary. It almost seems like pig on a lipstick. Like they're trying to kind of prop themselves up. Yeah, that too. (laughs) Your thoughts on that studio and well, if they're bringing executives from big corporate companies to take a look at pro surfing, I'm sure it looks impressive. Yeah, and that's that's the feeling. Which is why it's in Santa Monica. Yeah, I know. 
Yeah, you know, it's I an mean, entertainment. Industry. Yeah, because they can get a flight from New York to LA, and you're straight there. You, you're what, fifteen minutes from the headquarters from LAX. What's the objective with the TV studio portion? They're going to well, they're thinking forward about the production of all their own stuff and programming, and you know, and 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 they're, they're actually looking forward. Interesting. They they've got a, a Chinese mentality. We'll build it, and it'll come. Right. So, <laughs> would they be producing all that content for the webcast, or are and they for thinking ABC about to, and ABC TV Got delayed it. broadcast? Got it. Now they don't have to go sub that out. You know, yeah, there might be a bigger upfront cost to have built this studio to do this thing. I mean, I've been in there. It looks like the original day. I don't know if you ever went to the Prime Ticket Studios on Santa Monica Boulevard no. when the Prime Ticket was huge and had the Lakers and the Kings, and we had Bud Surf tour, and I used to have to go up and do. It's as big as that studio, and that studio became, you know, Fox Sports West. Mm. <laughs> well, that, that sort of bodes well. All of a sudden, I, I get a sense of optimism about the WSL that that maybe they're going to... It feels like it's the fourth quarter, and we're like 30 seconds left, and they have to shoot it and make a half-court shot. And maybe maybe they've got the right guy, you know, with the ball in his hands here. I don't know, but I certainly hope it works out. Well, I hope it works out for just the... For pro surfing, I mean, you know, it's interesting, you know, for me here next year, 2016 is the 40th anniversary of Fred Emmons handing me that trophy out of the trophy cabinet in Honolulu. And uh, it's 40 years. The, the sport has some real history now. I mean, yeah. you know, I mean, and yeah. there's, a, there's a legacy. And uh, I would hate to see it fall flat on its face going into an anniversary years. That's 40 years. Yeah. You know, I, I think if anything... We would hope that in that 40th year they can be super successful because they can probably leverage that to some degree and it may even help them, you know, from a point of view of the non-endemic category going, wow, the gee, surfing's actually been around for 40 years? Yeah, <laughs> yeah and I'm sure they're looking at that as a storyline to build something up like that. I'm quite confident. Do you feel like an outsider when you talk with WSL people? Do you sense that? I've gotten a feeling from some Australian surf journalists that they feel like they're not welcome anymore that that they're that you know you as a core constituent as a surf journalist in Australia there was a much more open door with say rab when rabbit was running things or even Co uh, Brody Carr um, well do, the journalists got away with a lot more do you get a feeling <laughs> do you, how do you feel about that um, do you sense uh, I, the sport the sport the sport had to grow up a little bit, I think. I, I, I think it was a little too much bro down. Clear, clearly, can the sport lose its core constituent, its core fan, and still not survive? Not if it has the best surfers in the world. The best surfers in the world people want to see. Doesn't doesn't matter about the. I mean, I sense that now with you know, like that bar that I hang out in at Huntington Beach where we have happy hour heats when the broadcasts are on, right? And How much money do you make at those? I don't make any money except <laughs> a, I get a bar tab. <laughs> <laughs> and, and, and we have this thing that I've instituted called Call Your Shot. At the top eight, you have to pick the, from the each side of the bracket who's going to be in the final. I got it right for the first one of the year, Julian against Toledo. <laughs> so you did make some money. Um, you got a bar tab. <laughs> what, are, what are your kind of highest hopes with the way things currently look? Um, I think some of the best women's competitive surfing I've ever seen oh, no, took it's place not, it's at this even, event. It's, it's the best ever. By, like, it's not even close. Not even close. <laughs> um, I think Felipe Toledo 
looked absolutely unstoppable. Well, I, I was telling Bassy the other day when we were on the beach, this is one of the dynamics, or my, my roommate, Jeff Deffenbach, because we have a bet on every event for dinner, and is th- there's an interesting dynamic this year that has never existed before. And there's a clear de- delineation between the 30-somethings and the 20-somethings. <laughs> and the 20-somethings are coming, and a 20-something won last year, and all of a sudden they're going, all those 20-somethings going, ah, we can be champ, we, we don't have to ha- get beaten by these, these old guys. And even in this first event, you saw it. By just look at the top eight guys. You had still a few of the Mick Fanning, Taj Burrow, right, hanging, hanging around. But the, all of a sudden, there was more of the 20-somethings. And this has never happened. No. And, and, and there's clearly... The challenge is, can the 20-somethings step it up when the game gets serious at Cloud Break, Chopu, and Pipe? Yeah, absolutely. Because you know the veterans will. <laughs> you, you know the veterans, are, they aren't scared because yeah. they've been there. They've been hurt. <laughs> well, what's interesting with your scenario too is that our hopes, there might have been hopes pinned on somebody other than Kelly in the past, but it was one person. It was Dane once, and then it was John John, or maybe Gabriel. But currently, there's 10 guys, some of whom's names we well, hardly you, you, even this, know. This, this, this theory will make you laugh. I also think for the 30-somethings, if Slater's not killing it, they're not inspired. Fanning has said in his last speech at the, just recently at the Australian Surfing Hall of Fame Awards, he says, as long as Kelly keeps doing it, I'm hanging in there. Really? <laughs> what if all of a sudden he disappears? He's their inspiration. He's like five or six years in front of him in yeah. age, and all of a sudden he's thrown in the towel or all gone, wow, you know, like I am old. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And all of a sudden, the, the, the 20-somethings just make a bull run on them all. Right. <laughs> I, I think this is a critical year in that delineation between the 20-somethings and the 30-somethings. I think, I think North American viewers, fans of North American surfing, are need a, need a hero, and we're lacking one. And Step up to the plate, Scott. No, I... I, I <laughs> And, and it's kind of a bummer. We've only had in my lifetime. We've only had two: Tom Curran and Kelly Slater. Yeah. When you really talk about heroes, yeah. And and what are we going to do? Who's our next hero? I mean, is that important? Is that a storyline that needs to be discussed amongst WSL executives? Oh, when you're all trying right. to sell the sport, and Kelly leaves, and there's and it's some Australians and a Brazilian. Well, there's another Does it sport. Transcend? There's another sport that's struggling with that, and it's tennis. It's been a long time since since Agassi that there's been an American tennis hero, and it's owned by the Europeans these days. You know, and 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 you know, I pay attention to that stuff on a much larger scale. From and and tennis struggles with sponsorship in this country because there's no American heroes. There's no Agassi with his what was Canon cameras, or you see what I'm saying? Yeah. There's no hero that hero hero. You know, how much is that going to affect what happens here in the next eight months? I mean, even if you're Canon or Ford, and you're like, yeah, we're interested in the WSL, and you know what? We do know Kelly's 43, and we do know he's not going to. So, can you tell us who's coming up next besides Kelly, and what, who, what does the WSL do? They say, oh, this Brazilian kid's ripping, and there's 17 of them. You know, <laughs> but he's and, dropping f dropping f bombs on the yeah. on the post show, and he can't contain his they emotions. Have, they they have to figure out a 
tape delay for webcasts. Yeah. <laughs> Who's going to wave the flag so that Ford and Canon are happy? Or is it a situation where they're global companies and they love to see their market share grow in South America and in Australia? And But it, it certainly would hurt the hopes of getting some sort of continued NBC or ABC TV deal if there's not this American hero to... Well, we see it all the time in these other sports. When there's not an American contending for the title in golf or on tennis at the final thing, the ratings suck. As soon as there are... <laughs> The, the, then it's different. Like, I mean, it's just when Tiger, when Tiger or Mickelson are killing it, the ratings are up. Those guys are out. Ratings struggle. Mm-hmm. <laughs> well, um, you want to change subjects a little bit, or you want to continue rapping on this? No, go ahead. Um, Bethany Hamilton. Yes, she's been surfing pregnant, twenty-six weeks pregnant. I saw the pictures on Facebook. It seems wrong. And a New York, uh, an NYU OBGYN has gone public and basically said it's probably not the right thing to do, that that surfing 26 weeks pregnant is problematic. It can be problematic. Um, Dave, your your thoughts on this? Um, (laughs) My question is, would you let your wife do this? I think any New York OBGYN (laughs) is willing to put their hands up and get publicity out of saying that that's wrong. So I don't know how medically sound that is, you know, and I'm sure there's others that would say it's fine. Um, would I let my wife surf pregnant? Yeah, totally. Dude, if she's longboarding, going straight to the beach, just having fun, getting in the ocean, I would think there'd be more benefit to that than detriment. She wasn't longboarding. Oh, she, she was shortboarding. <laughs> really? With a pointy board. Pointy nose. It's a difference. Yeah, that's probably less safe. And she's kind of a charger too, so. Right. That's Bethany, though. Look, I mean, that girl is the most incredible girl. I was fortunate at one time to have her in a coaching uh, situation when she had just not not long after she had recovered from the shark attack. And she came over to try out for the U.S. national team because she wasn't on the Hawaii team. And uh, and it's it's amazing, that girl's determination. Yeah. And in, in, in her mind... I think she would think that uh, – I don't think she went surfing where she was going to go try – think I'm out at Pipeline ripping. She just went surfing to go surfing. Right. And I'm sure she wasn't ripping like Bethany Hamilton can. can. Yeah. Uh, and, you know, w- w- women know their bodies better than we do, guys. And if she thinks she can go surfing while she's that far pregnant, then – more power to her. <laughs> I'm on board with that. Uh, one person's name who we've never discussed on this show, but is well worth mentioning now, talking about goofy-footed, blonde hair female surfers, Tatiana Weston Webb oh, yeah. was insane yep. at this event. And she was on my radar last year, and she won the GoPro Challenge, I think, at Cloud. And she's half Brazilian, by the way. Oh, is she really? Yes. She looks 100% <laughs> Aryan. You know, it's her like... Da- her, da- her dad is full-on Aryan, no question, but okay. mom is full Brazilian. Wow. Tanera. I know the family. She is absolutely on fire. Oh, yeah. at this At this Snapper event, did you watch any of her surfing? She's unreal. Yeah, and she's been unreal for a while in the ISA system. She's won a number of ISA world titles. Yeah. And she's been under the guidance of Rainus Hayes, one of the best coaches in the world. And she's just been waiting in the wings. And last year we saw signs of it when she was at Tavarua. She was, you know, showing people that coming from Kauai on the waves of Hawaii that she's got the goods. 
but she's also got the goods in little waves. I mean, she did well at the Hurley Australian Open too, and she can go both backside and frontside. And you know, she's a contender that'll be. There's no question, in my opinion, this year she'll be in the top ten. She won't have to qualify through the QS. Is she seventeen or six? No, no, she's a little older than that. She'd be nineteen. Oh, okay. Yeah. I'd like listeners to know that when I mentioned Tatiana's name and looked at Scott, he rolled his eyes, just for the record, because he hates women surfing. So. I, I do not hate women surfing. I love surfing with women. Yeah, exactly. Um, Dane Reynolds, is he going to continue? Does he move the board short meter? Do, do kids go out and buy board shorts based on Dane Reynolds still? Is he is he valuable or um, is he quickly spiraling? As as I might I I sort of sense. Well, that we he, see, we saw him dropping in the surfer pole. His popularity is waning. Again, proving that these days, because of the power of the webcast and stuff, that the tour is the tour, and the best surfers in the world are on the tour. And Dane's an incredible surfer, incredible talent. But I think that the the era of the of the the Free video surfer. the video surfer yeah is becoming less and less important the more the WSL succeeds because the eyeballs are being seen on the WSL audience like never before. Just that two and a half million Facebook followers. Dane Reynolds not in that mix anymore. You can do your little videos and float them around and everything, but well, they're, they're not reaching two and a half million eyeballs. And at the, and at the, at the same time, uh, his relevancy has been driven by Quicksilver because that's the only one they've got anymore. For the first time in history, Quicksilver does not have anybody in the top 10 on the world tour. And that brand was founded on that. Yeah. <laughs> Dane, Dane took his own foot off, his own gas pedal as well, though, because it was his uh, popularity at the Surfer Pole and his image was promoted through his videos on marinelayer.com or productions.com. And he no longer produ- produces videos there anymore. So it's kind of like he stopped doing what he does best he stopped caring, it seems to us. Therefore, I think we stopped caring. You know? And and the family's pregnant. Right. Well, we were seeing that as a hope that maybe he'll come back and get a new mindset and do something competitively here. And he just really I saw him. At, he was in Coolangatta for the Quick Pro. Yeah, and he looked he, horrible. He looked, like, he looked like he was doing a job. He exactly. Did, he, <laughs> exactly. I, I had to turn up because of Quicksilver obligations. Yeah, poor me. Um <laughs> More importantly to something you mentioned earlier about the WSL and the WSL eyeballs, David and I have often noted that they're doing a really good job of sort of promoting their own guys as free surfers. In other words, when there are lay days or we're between contests, they'll put stuff out of John John Florence without a jersey on that Peter King does or whoever does it of their top guys, but in a free surfing framework so that you're like, oh, look, that guy's ripping. And, and it sort of takes away from those... Um, Who's like the, Editor- Craig, the Editor- Craig Anderson? I call the them editorial chasers. Yeah, that's what they are, and they've done a good job of no. of doing that. So that my I, son and I, and I think is every, like, wow, and I think at- every brand has to have one of those guys in their portfolio. They're, 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 it's see, an important but part see, of the John mix. But see, John John covers both for Hurley, and there's and what I'm saying is that the, I think that that now with the WSL doing what they're doing, like. You know these guys can do can be both of those guys. John John's both of those guys. He's a free surfer in my son's eye. Oh no, yeah, he's competing today. I'm gonna go watch him. And I think that the brands are, are seeing like, like you could say that with Mick and with Parco that hey that free surfing footage of Parco Akira was insane. Right. And oh by the way now he's competing. And so I think that's an important thing to note. Yeah, there was an interesting one on Mick Fanning warming up for for Snapper where he was. I don't know if you caught that one. And there was yeah. a it was, it, he was just. 
killing it. I mean, and and it was a free surfing video of Mick Fanning, who who you don't really often see since since the Eugene character went away. Is the, <laughs> is, the, is, the is the is the era of the free surfer the Dave Rostovich, the Craig Anderson? Is it done? It's not done. It's just not as important. I mean. I think in, as a brand, you need that counterpoint because not everybody is, is just, you know, name pro me surfing. A, name me a guy, name me a free surfer that, that, that rings on your register, that moves your needle a little bit. That, and that, and that I, I got a weird one for you that, that, that clearly moves the needle. It's Alex Nost. He stays relevant all the time, somehow, some way, whether it's on these funky, like, shortboard fishes to longboards to go. Is it, that internationally or is that regional? No, no, it's international. He was just at Noosa and people, he comes down the beach and, and people know who he is. And, you know, like, they just had the duct tape invitational at the Noosa how Surf much, Festival. How much does, how, how much, uh, how many board short, does, does he move the board short needle for Vans? Or the, no, no, for or Ruka. The shoot, Ruka. For Ruka, okay, it's for Ruka. Does, yeah. See, do you think he, he sells stuff for them? Do you think that yeah, I do for he Ruka. has the power of... For the, 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 the position of Ruka as a brand, yeah, absolutely. He's a perfect fit. Yeah. Is them. there another one? Are there some others that are, that are relevant? Uh, the relevant ones? What about Craig Anderson or Clay Marzo? Do these guys move board shorts? Uh, well, you know, Quicksilver let Clay Marzo go, so it's, he can't have been moving, you know. <laughs> he can't have been moving the needle. Who moves board shorts that's a free surfer besides Alex Nost? That's a great question in that, uh, you know, Rust has been with Billabong for, what, two decades. Uh, and they still hang him in there, you know. That's almost like Gordon's buddy, though, Gordon Murray. You well, almost get the part, sense that, that that's part I, of the I, deal. he might move product in, in Australia. I don't get the sense that he moves product in the United States. No, not in the United States. Because you just don't see him in their ad campaign as much as he used to be. Well, it's an interesting dynamic when we start talking about that is we have a new brand in, that got breakout brand of the year in the SEMA Awards, Vizsla, and they don't have a top-notch pro surfer. Their whole crew is editorial chaser, uh, what we call them, the hipster movement. Yeah. <laughs> the hipster movement, right? I, I, I don't think they can do that forever. I think they're going to have to step up at some point in time if they want to take that next step into the global branding world. Yeah. Do you think that... Markeely moves product for Depactus. Well, that, that, these guys are all going on in this different tack. One of the things is is that for a young brand now to come out of the gates and try to actually buy one of these WCT top ten guys, it's, it's near impossible. Yeah. So they got to grow the brand with, with a with a, a an eclectic team, a, a mishmash of, of of past champions. Maybe a, there's a growing there somewhere. You know what I mean? It, it, the, the way that you do it is different to how it used to be done. So you you would get those guys on your team just knowing, look, it's more of a marketing play that we don't expect you to really move the board short needle, but we do need to have somebody that that projects our image and our values as a company, and you're that guy. And we'll hang with you until we get somebody else. Yeah. I mean, look, it's not rocket science in that the best surf teams in the world right now are Hurley and Ripcurl. No question. Both brands seem to be doing all right. You don't read any bad reports in the financial news about they're going out of business, their stock's at one. (laughs) You you, you know what I mean? And yet both of those things, if if they had a manufacturer's, uh, championship in the WSL, which I suggested, just like in Formula One motor racing, they have you know Ferrari wins it or McLaren wins it. It'd be battle right now between Hurley and Ripcurl, like full on, yeah, like way out in front. Yeah, <laughs> that's a good point. And yet those brands seem to be 
healthy. Yeah. The interesting thing, I haven't really thought about that Visla example, but um, that is a interesting point because they don't actually even have really a marquee writer. Whereas John John could be argued for Hurley and Julian maybe to a degree. But it's like they have a bunch of middle-of-the-road guys who all kind of represent... They actually have a couple of guys I'd never even heard of. Yeah. And I thought I was pretty plugged in. But they all add value to the team, like the South African, Brendan Gibbons, Mm -hmm. and then Eric Geiselman, and then In Australia, they've got Nat's younger son, Bryce. Bryce, I just surfed with him the other day. That guy's a player. He's ripping. Yeah, but he was surfing in the duct tape on a a a longboard. Yeah. (laughs) But so all those guys add value to different aspects of what they're doing and to different markets around the world, I suppose, but without really a marquee guy to hang their hat on, which is an interesting strategy. Like you said, they didn't really go after somebody who is on the the competitive track, you know, a little bit of a different model, I guess. But I think you can only grow that model so far. Yeah, I agree with you. You need the best surfers in the world at some point. Right. Yeah. The kids still care about the best surfers in the world. Yeah, totally. Um, do you want to do a kook and a duke and a musty moment and move <laughs> through this? I've, I've got them. Every, at the end of every show, we do the kook of the week and the duke of the week. Feel free to think of one if you want while we're uh, delivering ours. My, my duke is actually the Brazilian contingent currently on tour, and that includes Silvana Lima because... To Peter's point, um, they're hitting us from all angles. You're not allowed to do whole groups of people. This I am allowed to do individual. whole groups of people. By it's the way, a, it's actually a good call. I've got the mic in my Calling hand. Bullshit on both of you. <laughs> so I've got PT on my side and the listenership on my side. So Scott, simmer down. I'm going to turn off your mic. Um, listen, to th- Scott, hear me out, dude. Wiggly Dante, it, we've got a Brazilian who goes toe to toe with every aspect of our sport. Wiggly Dantes goes toe-to-toe with Nat Young. The way that we saw Nat Young come in and just go methodical backside attack, Wiggly's doing it better than Nat did it when Nat did it. We've got Adriano, who I'm not a huge fan of, but is so freaking tenacious, it's undeniable. Determination's crazy. I hated watching him beat Fanning, but he smoked Fanning. Shut up, dude. And And then we got Felipe Toledo, who just on ability alone... I was rooting for Julian. Just start singing the Brazilian national anthem for me because it's undeniable, Scott. It's absolutely undeniable. Then, so like I said, and then you got Gabriel Medina, the world champ, Felipe, the un the the talent that we've never seen before. Silvana Lima on the women's side is going to take it to all of them doing airs. Her power, like she was ri- she these carbs. These carves. She does that club sandwich turn at one point. Plus, she has the tenacity of Adriano without any of the financial support, which says something about her character that I don't see out of any American surfers and not a lot of Australian surfers, not a lot of Hawaiian surfers. So, Brazil, I've got to say, I'm looking at them for this. And I think, and the no name guys, by the way, Idolo, Ferrer, coming out of nowhere, taking out Slater. It's just like their plan of attack is from every angle. It's full charge. I'm, I don't want to love them. I'm kind of falling in love with them. It's undeniable. So my Duke of the week is Brazil. Okay. Woo. That's pretty good. I'm going to stick to the format that I created in the Duke <laughs> and the Kook, which is a single person, not a group of people. And Mike. Duke Conomoco of the week is Philippe Toledo. 
And we all know you why. Just made that up. I did not. It's yeah, you, it's right here. It's been. I scratched it out. Yeah, I right. was going to say Harley Ingleby because I was just so disgusted with your Brazilian wave flag, flag waving. But now I'm going back to Felipe Toledo because why? I, because of what? Because he was he looked incredible. He surfed great. He looked like a professional. He acted like a professional. By the way, should Gabe Medina be fined? And if so, how much? Well, Gabe Medina is getting my kook of the week for not thinking about before he's opened his mouth. <laughs> I, I, I think he has to realize that as the reigning world champion, you can't do any more like that. That conversation could have been had with the head of the judging panel up on the stands behind the scenes, but you can't come out publicly anymore and criticize like that. You can't do that in other sports. I mean, and there's been no repercussions yet that we've heard of, right? If but if somebody, charge, had a, if somebody had a done that in the NBA or in, in, the, or in NFL. the NFL, there would already be a serious fine laid down or a suspension. And they find Jeremy and they find Freddie P in the past and, of course, Bobby Martinez. If you were in charge, how much would you fine and why? Or sanction or suspend? I think he's been a pretty much a model citizen up to this point. I think it's a hefty financial fine. And, and and you're on notice that you do that again, then it's a, so I don't think they should suspend him this first time out. To your point, they can't afford to not have the world champ in these events right now. <laughs> they need the world champ. So serious, like fine, like 50, 100 grand, like, like a real, the biggest one ever. Yeah. You know, not, I think the biggest one ever has what, been 25. I think that's the biggest one, I think. But it has to be twice whatever the biggest one up to this point was. What was the 25 for? I thought that Flores got 25 on top of the suspension. Oh, I didn't know that. Yeah, I think so. Wow. Brutal. Um, my cook of the week is Dane Reynolds. For all the mention, you know, all the, all the reasons that we mentioned, that he just looks lackluster. He looks like he doesn't care. On top of that, I had hoped that the him being pregnant would help, you know, motivate him and turn him around. And it hasn't. And and by the way, his post heat interview was horrible. He basically said, "I mailed it in. Whatever. Maybe I won't be doing these anymore." <laughs> like that stupid chuckle. And so Dane, it's probably been my kook of the week more than five or six times. <laughs> Dane Reynolds, must see moment. No, nope, oh, I got two. a kook. So my kook actually is Gabriel Medina as well, and um, you I can't do that. no look at it, I had it written down, dude. But what's that? What's change. that on my notes from before I even came here? So it is Gabriel, but I'm not personally offended by the things that Gabriel said. The reason why Gabriel's my kook is he's shooting himself in the foot. Gabriel has been fighting a. Uh, against the stereotype of being the bad guy who's going to dethrone Kelly Slater and Mick Fanning. And I heard that when he accepted his award at the Australian banquet, the WSL banquet before the event, I heard that he gave a really uh, moving speech. And I was he, there. How was it? What, it was do you incredible. Know, what did he say? Just the emotion and, and, and what it meant to him, his family, and his country. Right. And, and, and the way that he presented it very eloquent, eloquently in his broken English. It had, the place was silent, and, and he spoke for quite a while, like maybe six or eight minutes, and uh, you couldn't hear a pin drop. People were, and he was engaging, and he got a, a standing ovation at the end of that really? speech. Wow. David was there standing and ovating. <laughs> <laughs> from, from afar, actually. I was in my living room clapping, slow clap. Um, no, so, but I heard that Gabriel won a lot of fans with that speech Absolutely. where it's like, even if you criticize, what, like he finally won people over who weren't willing to get on board prior. 
Well, then he does this post-heat interview and, like I said, shoots himself in the foot. Any fans that you collected from that speech, he just threw out 50% of them by behaving this way. So Gabriel is my kook simply because he needs to get out of his own way. Let your surfing do the talking. And by the way, Glenn Hall beat you fair and square. So let's not overlook that detail. And if that happens, shut up and train harder and try again when it comes to bells. Done. So I haven't done a Duke yet. Go ahead. My Duke was just going to like, Bassie's not going to like it at all. <laughs> Good. My Duke award goes to Silvana Lima. The Duke Hanamoku goes to Silvana. Because she has come back from a, a, a lot of like setbacks. I mean, she was on the tour at a very young age. Everyone was scared of her. Couldn't figure out who she was. Couldn't speak English that much. Didn't, no one paid any attention. Uh, she was in the mix for a while, and then she fell out of the mix, and she had a serious injury. She had to have knee reconstruction that took two years to get back from, and then she had to finance her own way around the girls' WQS, which is expensive, all right? And now she's back in the mix, and she's all smiley face. She's speaking better English, and she is dangerous. I mean, she is going to cause people trouble all year long, and I think she'll be on tour as the sage veteran, She's the only 30-something on the girl's side. <laughs> How many? We got 10 or 12 men in their 30s, right? She's the only woman, and I think what she's done deserves a Duke Award. I agree. Good good one. And and I'll say that you know my musty moment, I'll just t- tag on that Gabe has firmly put the black hat on the head, which I think is great for the sport. All sport needs a bl- uh, villain, and Gabe is our villain. and I'm, Or at least he's my villain. He might not be your guys' villain. But um, my musty moment is there's a there's an advertisement of Gabe Medina in Brazil where he's man grooming his underarm hair, and um, it's for Gillette, and it's just it, it it's actually a musty moment that you probably shouldn't watch. It's quite uh, disturbing. Must not see moment. Yeah, must not see moment exactly. Um, so that's my musty moment. It's actually strangely related to my musty moment which is a new website I found called kellyslatehair.com. Like Kelly Slater, but it's Kelly Slate Hair. I'm going to click and open this up for you, Scott Bass. Somebody <laughs> devoted an entire website to Kelly Slater's <laughs> hair <laughs> wow. with different wigs that they Photoshopped on. You know, a little, he got a mullet. He's right. got like all sorts of stuff. So <laughs> That's pretty good. There's Kelly, some funny shit on there. KellySlateHair.com. Right. Check it out. Must-see must moment. moment. Uh, uh, my must-see, do I have a choice on that? Yeah, please. Chime in. My must-see is, is you need to buy a copy of Becoming Westerly and oh, read the story is it, of... Is it out? Yes. I just read the whole book. Oh, I think Jamie it... Jamie Brissick. Jamie Brissick is the journalist. I talked to Jamie about it. It came out in July in Australia. I bought, it on the, in- I bought it on the new, uh, in a bookstore the very first day I was in Australia, okay. in Cronulla. It comes out here in a couple months, I right. think. Is it a good read? It's very disturbing. But tell me... And, is- and, 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 and at the end of it... I was concerned that Jamie was too close to Peter to Wendy. That that, that did he? No, he did a very obje- good. He did, he did a really good job, journalist. Because I know he was very cl- like he just by but, nature but, was close. But to after such- I finished the book, because I I mean I've known Druin since I was a teenager. I traveled. I've roomed with the guy. And well, to me, her, and to me, he'll always be Druin. Too and, bad. <laughs> <laughs> no matter what, no matter no matter Sorry what, but, 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 but the, 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 the his his delusional. Yeah. delusional presentation 
He talks about Peter Druin from a Westerly point of view in the third person and how now that he's Westerly, he's going to be this star of stage and screen at 65. And at the end of it, you get to the end and and, and it doesn't end other than that you feel like, so he cut his dick off and did he make any money? That's how I ended up (laughs) feeling. That's how I ended up feeling. And maybe I'm way too close to it all. Yeah. But to me, Druin was one of Australia's greatest surfers of yeah. that generation. Yeah. As good as Nat and Midget. No question he was as good as Nat and Midget. Yeah. And, uh, and, uh, and, I, and I might be a little partial because he's a Queenslander, but the fact was yeah. he was the greatest surfer to come from Queensland in that generation. Yeah. Wow. I was concerned that it would look like a, a reach for attention from Peter. Like, like, like <laughs> That's people, nothing new. Well, that's, that's my been point. a drama like, queen all his life. Yeah, but so why feed into that like I, I would suggest to you that I don't know but people that go through gender operations probably want to be left alone you know like they probably like they're not he, necessarily... beat, he beat Bruce Jenner to the punch barely <laughs> so it'll be interesting to read it for sure it's a, it's a must read it's a must read alright well that's all we got for you to this week on Down the Line and Surf Splendor podcast um, you can reach David at hello at surfsplendorpodcast.com and you can reach me, Scott, at surftalksandiego at gmail.com. And PT, thanks so much for coming in. We enjoy your always welcome here on the show with your great insights. It was great debate, mate. All right, until next time, adios and aloha. Peter Townen, ladies and gentlemen, 1976 world champion, all-around good bloke, and an honor to have on the show. Thank you, Peter, for joining us, and uh, Scott, as always, for helping me host and try to derail this thing on me every week. And thank you to you, the listener, as always, doing your part. We don't ask much. We ask that you share the show, write a review on iTunes if you get around to it, and, uh, and we're grateful for all of that, just helping build the community. Another way to participate in this Surf Splendor community would be to join in the Fantasy Surf team. Um, I have no incentive for you to do that. I think it's just fun. I like competing, and I, I really want to win that thing, and I'm so mediocre at it that it drives me nuts. All right, well, you can find everything you need related to this episode on surfsplendorpodcast.com as well as a link to the Fantasy Surf thing and PayPal and all that sort of stuff. And then, of course, follow on social media at Surf Splendor. And uh, I think that's it. So this is your host, David Scales. Until next week, signing off, encouraging you to catch a couple of waves and saying shred on. I'm the one.